Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redux Plecephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you tonight by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for and also drink and enjoy because it's delicious. I am your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve of Destruction, though. Very few people call me that at this point. You should have caught me like a a hundred years ago. It was very common then. But tonight, you can just call me Parasite or or Douchebag, whatever you want. It's fine. Like, anything works. Um, So, yes, welcome to the show. Um, uh, With me, as always, are my cohorts that, uh, that are with me. And one of them is named Nintendo. (laughs) <laughs> and the Carry other on. one is named not Nintendo. He's he's eight bit alchemy. Evil is good and ass is good. And if you find yourself a piece of evil ass, woo! Eva is good. Eva, I know, I know Eva. <laughs> she is pretty good. Um, yes, and we have a pair of amazingly awesome guests. I've uh, been wanting to have them on the show for a long time. Very good friends. Uh, we have Mr. Old Man Wade of the Old Man Wade Show. Damn it, Wade! Damn it, Wade! It is, <laughs> and uh, and of course, with him as always, the incomparable, the brilliant political strategist, Super Wokavi. Well, I don't get a drop. The oh, hell is this? I was waiting oh, for the bad. drop. Wait, Come on, Wade, you're sleeping. Damn it, Wade! This, is, this isn't a shitter. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, hey guys, Wade, howdy, welcome to the show. So happy Thank to have you, have you on. Thank you for the honor to be on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we are here tonight, uh, gentle listener, as you guys all know, because you've already clicked on the episode and you've read the title, and you know we're here to talk about the man, the myth, the comedy legend, Mister Eddie Murphy. And we are here specifically because. He just put out Coming to America, which is which is a, a movie that, uh, you know, uh, that exists. And we all watch it and we have opinions on it and we'll get there. But before we do that uh, and celebrate the uh, the incredibly great career, in my opinion, of this of this awesome, awesome dude, one of the greats by far, in my opinion. Uh, let's first talk about The Old Man Wade Show, which is a show I'm familiar with, mainly because I've been on it like five or six times and it's pretty cool and uh you guys let me come on a, a bunch of times and uh promote my crap which is awesome and uh we obviously have become good friends since and so wade the show bears your name but in the pregame you said that you were gonna let javi do all the talking now i know he's good at the blibbity blabs but do you want to say anything about your own show uh yeah we talk about everything under the sun from politics to comic books um, I like to say that we are happy in our hypocrisy because honestly, uh, everybody is hypocritical at some point in time in their life. Uh, one thing I will say that I'm proud of is we spend a good amount of time discussing uh, people who ha- who don't have a voice. Like we give that we um, recently just did our first IG live where we discussed a lot of the horrible things that women have to go through when dating, just or just being women in general. And we gave my, my homegirl, Miss Telekinesis. A place to really just talk about a lot of things going on. Um, some of the women on the IG live also discussed it, and we like made sure that they got their voice up. <clears throat> Excuse me. My wife uh, chimed in and um, 
said some things that go on, but we um, make it a point to let those voices heard because it's super important. Yes. Um, um, beyond the silliness, beyond that, there's a lot of silliness going on. Um, there's the constant battle of whether or not mermaids are real. There's the, uh, I'm right, mermaids are real. Uh, we wait, get are, wait, are, wait, are you a mermaid? Dude, are He's you a, a mermaid, mermaid right now? I was, I was told there would be no um, cross-examination. I mean, you just... We told you that we were liars. Yes, that's... I oh. told you this. <laughs> All right, so on that note, I'm going to pass it on to uh, my lawyers. The, the pinnacle of political reflection, <laughs> Superior Super Bowl copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yo, on Oh My Way Show, we do talk about all that good stuff, but we also talk about butt plugs. And other, as you got to, as you got other, to, other various important topics to spice up everybody's life. Uh, you know, it's a fun show. Uh, it's the brainchild of our fearless leader, old man Wade over here. And um, he's allowed me to come on and hopefully not make a fool out of myself most of the time. And it's just fun, man. Coming, if, if, you know, the world kind of sucks, as we all know. And uh, if you want to reprieve, if you want to, you know, uh, join in on a good conversation or just listen to a good conversation, a fun time, you know, hit up the Old Man Wade Show. We're on every streaming service on this planet. So there's no excuse, okay? If you don't, if you don't listen to the Old Man Wade Show, I will knock on your door personally and have a discussion with you. Yeah, and have a very stern, very dad-like discussion. There will be finger-waving. Yes. Uh, there will be a wag or two. Uh, Who doesn't like a spicy crossing. butt plug discussion? I mean, listen, your dad honest. won't be the only man in your life disappointed with your choices. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say. I also want to say something. Hobby acts like this is like like I allow him to come on. This show does not wouldn't be where it is without him. So I just want to throw that out there. But um, also Steve has come on um has come on multiple times and he's been one of the most popular if not the most popular guests that we've had so that's been awesome uh but i also lost my train of thought so i guess it doesn't really matter well it's because you're buttering about me steve. up so bad you know you don't have to do that you know we're friends you don't have to <laughs> <You're> fine. <laughs> oh my god i'm sure telekinesis was a much better guest um, she, she's awesome. Oh, yeah. that's what I wanted to say. So we're starting something I'm calling the Old Man Wade Project. We have my homegirl, Miss Telekinesis, and um, my twin, Amanda, from the Panda Gasper Podcast, will be doing other stuff on there as well. So we're actually expanding the Old Man Wade brand. Wow. We'll have more people to like use their voices. Sometimes Hell yeah. Writing. Sometimes it'll be nice. writing, Sometimes it'll be um, actual audio. So we are expanding in that. Woo-woo. That's awesome to hear, man. That's awesome. You know, what I, what I actually really... Uh, I have always loved about your show is the, you know, we were joking uh, kind of in the pregame, we we're joking about how, cause you know, we, we try to have structure on Redoctopus and Javi said, Oh, you know, you guys have structure. We don't have structure. It's like, that's, I think that's actually one of the fun things about old man Wade show is that you really just don't know what you're going to get as far as like, you know, everything, you know, the tone could be funny. It could be serious as hell. You know, you could have a guest, you could not have a guest. You have different co-hosts come on or, or not. You have, um, you know, you never know. Like w whenever I read your the descriptions you write for each episode, it's so hilarious because like it literally will be like, yeah, we started talking about like uh, suffrage and then went to mermaids and butt plugs. It's like, <laughs> and Cardi B. It's and an emotional roller coaster. Performance on the Grammys. It's like <laughs> all that is in one episode's just description. And it's it's just really funny. So it's definitely a... 
uh, a really cool show that like if you're just feeling like listening to some dudes and you want to because i think some sometimes it's like what is fun about listening to a podcast is is the feeling of you're just hanging out and right. i think i really get that with you guys like this like let's just hang out with some buds and chat and like that you really get that with you guys you guys are very real and uh yeah definitely check out check out the old man wade show guys if uh if you haven't done that already don't get broke it's not a it's not a bro vibe so you don't have to worry about that either yeah yeah you guys have uh plenty of awesome female guests which is plenty of room in there for the ladies thank you man we we definitely appreciate that and you know it's all the plan you know we want people to think it's disorganized but it's really trying to take over the world and it's organized disorganization (laughs) that's the plan it actually reminds you in it it reminds reminds me there was like a i don't know if it was the grammys or mtv music awards or something in the 90s when aerosmith had get a grip and they had all those uh they had all those videos like crazy crying they they were like god yeah Right. Like, um, what was the, what was the clueless girl's name? Who's in all those videos? What's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name. I know who you're talking about. All I, I can think of is Christina Applegate and it's not her. It's, it's, no, Lula. it's not her. What's no. Her uh, I don't know. Clueless check. She's, Alicia she's in all the videos. Boom. Yes. 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 What, what that's it. it. Alicia, Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone. Oh yeah. And, uh, like, I just remember Steven Tyler from Aerosmith going, coming up to the mic and he's, you know, covered in scarves and rags and, crap and and i just remember as him he going, always is yeah he always is and i just remember him going yeah you know it costs a lot of money to look this cheap <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how much i paid for each one of these 400 scarves on my neck right now um yeah so without awesome. further ado let's get to the meat and potatoes of the episode as we call it so let's uh let's get to some eddie murphy um so what we've done for you guys tonight is we're going to do um, in honor of coming to America. As I said, we're going to talk about the, those two movies first, and then each one of us has picked out one of his other movies that we're going to kind of spotlight. So um, we're going to just cram an octopon to this in between, and uh, hopefully that'll be the episode and we'll uh, be in and out of here in uh, under two hours. Who knows when it's, you know, crazier things have happened. So um, let's see. Eddie Murphy, awesome, awesome dude. One of the funniest guys, one of the best, most versatile comedians, in my opinion. Definitely, uh, definitely a unique talent. Uh, Tracy Morgan has, has been quoted as saying, it's impossible to do cool and funny. You can do one or the other. You cannot do both. It's impossible. It never works unless you're Eddie Murphy. And I, um, yeah, I mean, I know what he's saying. Absolutely. Because yeah, Eddie Murphy nails that vibe for sure. I don't know. There's just something about him that even if he's like constantly smiling the whole time and he's like when he was in the 80s and he was in that that stage of his, you know, movie career where he's just happy guy, he's also cool. I don't know what it is, but it's it's his thing. He's just great. Um Well, I want to I do want to say this about Eddie yeah. Murphy. I think Eddie Murphy definitely is a trailblazer. I'm thinking about his early stand up like only a really cool person can come out in like a red bodysuit, zipped up, mm-hmm. or whatever the hell he was wearing in those in that stand up, and just pull it off. You know, he was like a pop star in the eighties, yeah. so he definitely did um, mix the cool vibe with the comedic vibe. But I want to say, even before him, you know, you had Red Fox, you had uh, Eddie Murphy actually played the guy. Uh, I think me and you, Steve, talked about a little bit. Um, um, the guy that oh, played Dolomite, 
Uh, yes. Really, really you know, nice. so, um, you know, he does come from a, a background or he, he you can say that he was influenced by various African-American comedians that, you know, throughout the years kind of mixed coolness with comedy. But he yeah. definitely took it out the stratosphere. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, career. obviously prior um without yeah. a doubt um he's also cited um you know bill cosby of course um <clears throat> and uh and i guess peter sellers was one of his uh also big inspirations the guy who was the uh the pink panther movies in the 60s and apparently yeah. that's why well, that's what put uh, the bug in his head about uh playing multiple characters in the same movie i guess that was a peter sellers thing and that's what he said he, he oh wow literally uh was inspired from that and 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 stuff but there's yeah like for sure uh, i mean as as great as as prior was you know he was he was never cool like eddie was cool yeah eddie was like leather jackets you know fashionable you know sexy guy cool dude like i don't know i don't feel like that was exactly prior um but i seem of um Pryor was more of a um, hurricane. Eddie Murphy was a cool breeze. Oh, that's like, a that's that's a good way of putting it there. Nice, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think like like Eddie Murphy pulled off you know doing Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood stuff like on SNL like yeah. way back and like you know it's like that that super goofy you know extra play into the the silliness of that whole gag, but like it just totally worked you know and and he oh, was yeah. uh, just you know immediately meant for for being in in character roles and and things like that and not just his amazing stand-up but also right. his ability to to do character acting and, and stuff and he wasn't like uh, you know especially in the snl days he wasn't such a head case or something that he wasn't af- he wasn't afraid to not be cool you know he dressed up as gumby right. damn it he's gumby right. damn it right. And, uh, you know, he, he was buckwheat. I mean, these are, he, he was not particularly cool, quote unquote, in those roles. But so, you know, it's okay to be self-deprecating too, but somehow he could, he could do both. And he could uh, poke fun at himself and, and take a role seriously. Yeah. yeah like nobody yeah. else. Yeah, for he, sure. You know, he, he exists. He didn't, he, he wasn't those characters, right? He was Eddie Murphy when he wasn't doing stand up, when he wasn't on SNL, like he was Eddie Murphy, just the cool guy that was clubbing with, yeah. with, 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 80s rock stars doing all types of craziness right but then he was able to just get into those characters um which i think like his talent is i think he's underrated when it comes to that so um yeah i mean i mean he he had a hell of a range and has for a long time had a hell of a range i i stumbled upon a uh a discussion online where people were saying we're comparing him to kevin hart and they're like you know kevin hart is you know has has become so successful and he's you know made a bunch of movies at this point some of them are very successful movies or whatever and people are saying like there's just no comparison like you can't like who i don't give a shit about any of the money that that this guy has made you cannot tell me that kevin hart would have worked in name an eddie murphy movie and it's just like he doesn't have that range to be able to do the things that eddie was doing in in these movies and uh I mean, I certainly agree with that. I'm not a huge Kevin Hart guy, but um, but it is funny. That is, you know, he was like a very success. Like he's one of the most Kevin Hart's one of the most successful comedians, yeah. period, at this point. Um, yeah. I, but, I like Kevin Hart. I like Kevin Hart a lot, but that's that's a very lazy comparison. And, it, you know, Steve, you, you know my MO right now. So, you know, why I'm, you know, part of the reason why I hate that comparison, because I think that, you know, tell me at two people, you know, 
you got two black funny guys and you you know you gotta yeah, you, you gotta say, you gotta say eddie right, right you got no. you gotta say they're the same right yeah no but it's definitely two different two different ballparks there gotcha ballparks they didn't even they didn't do the same movies they weren't the same person there's a there there's a, a hell of a lot of a difference between the two of them um and Javi, you're right that is a super lazy comparison um and if we're being honest about it um and excuse the terminology but Kevin Hart can't carry Eddie Murphy's jockstrap. Did Kevin did um Kevin Hart's movies make more money? Absolutely, they did. But that doesn't necessarily make his movies better. You know what I, I mean? I mean, his movies didn't make more money overall. He hasn't made enough. Like holy crap! Uh, but yes, you're fair. Very fair point. You're right. They're just saying yeah, seeing two successful think, black um, I think one of the things with Eddie Murphy that I've kind of always appreciated, you know, hearing him in interviews and stuff like that is that, you know, he's, he can be a very funny man on camera, but like he takes his work and his acting and everything super seriously. Like he's a very serious artist um, as much as he is a funny man, you know, a writer, a comic, whatever. Um, And I, I liken that to, you know, I, I always seem to draw this conclusion, but like uh, Weird Al, right? Where Weird Al is so outwardly a goofball, but he's a super serious musician, performer, you know, uh, creator. And I think Eddie Murphy reminds me a lot of that because he's the type of person who you see him on TV you, or you see him in a movie and you would just think that he's like this real goofy guy, but he's like a super serious businessman. He takes his craft, you know, as, as credo. And, you know, ultimately he's like, you know, one of the most respected, guys in the industry period and uh and i think that's incredible because you see you know you hear you know donkey and you hear mushu and you hear some of his voice acting and stuff and you're like oh man this guy must be such a total goofball but you know it's like you see his whole empire and everything he's done it's like yeah. no eddie murphy's just an incredible friggin creator and uh an actor in comic in every in you know every respect and so that that kind of gave me so much respect for him um just like kind of hearing how he is uh, and how he talks about it and how he approaches a role. He can flip the switch and be the goofy guy, but you know, he's like, he's always trying to give it his all, which I think is just, you know, incredible. That's, that's one of the biggest things I respect about him. Hmm. And that's the other, um, excuse me, sorry again, but the, uh, the idea of the fact that people forget that he also wrote a lot of these movies. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, doing other people's jokes or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He also, always made sure to give props to the people who came before him. So when we had somebody like um, uh, Richard Pryor, the Bill Cosby's, and I'm mad I can't remember the name. Um, ball dude, I can't. Ball black dude who helped write his stuff. Like he's always made made it a point to shout out the people who've helped him get where he is. And beyond the fact that he's like really goofy, and I can't wait to get to my pick on it because it shows that he's like more than just a comedic actor. And I, don't, and I honestly don't think that comedians get the respect they deserve for the roles they play. I forget who said it, but it's like dying is, dying is easy, but comedy is hard. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and also I've heard a quote that it's easier to make someone cry than it is to make somebody laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to expand on what you said, Tim, like, you know, just comedy is serious business. And I do think that it extends to a lot of comedians who don't get the credit, like you just said, Wade. Um, for sure. It's, it's, you know, just because you're being funny doesn't mean it's not serious business, like, you know, being successful at that. Um, but uh, if, if you guys are good, I'll, I'll just ramble off a little bit of history. Um, yeah, fire away. Unless uh, Javi, you want to say something? I just wanted to just mention that you guys say Bill Cosby a couple of times, but let's not forget that uh, Eddie Murphy was one of the first people to call out Bill Cosby on this bullshit. So, oh, yeah. They have a famous feud. That uh, 
I find hilarious is clips. You just look up clips of Eddie Murphy talking about um, Bill Cosby. Oh, wow. I, 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 I remember the, uh, it was when he got the, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award, right? He, he really like went on stage in front of everybody and talked about it, right? Yeah, and he, yeah. Even before that, like I guess Bill Cosby I remember seeing that, and that was like yeah. I, I couldn't believe he brought it up there. Yeah, because yeah, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby wanted these guys to fail. He he, he thought they were too dirty. Um, Red Fox, Eddie Murphy, like, how are you guys going up on stage and swearing? You're making us look bad and stuff. And lo and behold, right. Well, he made Eddie actually made <laughs> right, right, right. And um, on his uh, appearance in SNL during his monologue, he actually um commented on that. So mm-hmm. you don't even have to go that far to be for him to be like, you know, remember when um Eddie Mur- remember when um Bill Cosby said I was going to be the one who was a problem? Yeah. So. Yeah. There you go, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously got to be hard to do, though. Like, you know, if in any situation, if if you find out one of your heroes is a is a scumbag, that's that's that sucks, no matter what the situation yeah. is. Um, but. Um, Anyway, right, can I, swear on this? I apologize. I swore like twice already. You can you can no, fucking swear, man. Okay. It's fine. I, I don't know. I don't know why Wade thinks he can't say jockstrap. I don't know what that's about. You can say jockstrap all you want, man. <laughs> you want to talk I mean, about jockstrap? I mean, you, you, you only need to say it once, then just say it once. But like, if you want, but if you, you need to say it more, you can fucking say it. I just He's, know that the. The term can come can come off kind of misogynistic, so I just want to make sure that I wasn't like you know. You know what? Soften it a little bit. Say jockey strap, and we won't even uh, we won't, don't even worry about it. I don't know why he calls me super woke. Like I'm I'm the least woke of two. <laughs> I'm the least woke of two. I'm the least woke of the two. You know. All right. Super so, sleep, Javi. Exactly. <laughs> super super chill. I think super chill would work. I've always thought that. Um, is his new name from here on in. All right, so quick history on the man, Edward Reagan Murphy, or maybe it's Regan, born April 3rd, 1961, grew up in Bushwick, the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York. His mother was a telephone operator and his father worked in the transit police uh, while also moonlighting as an amateur actor and comedian. Um, He joined SNL and remained a regular cast member from 1980 to 1984 um and uh while he was on that show he had a massively his first massive success was a his first filmed comedy special delirious which was 1983 and uh it was actually four years later i didn't realize this it was that big of a gap but raw came out i think raw was the one where he was wearing the uh the michael jackson red jumpsuit if i'm not i think he was wearing the blue jumpsuit in raw okay what was the raw i remember the red I think red is hilarious and blue is raw. I could okay, be wrong. Okay. okay. Raw was red. Um, so delirious. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm sorry. Raw was raw What's that way? Yeah, raw was like the blue raw. purple. Oh, it was the blue purple. Gotcha. Um, so raw was actually given a wide theatrical release. Not, uh, I, don't, I don't think everybody remembers that. Uh, the film actually ended up grossing $50 million at the box office. And uh, that was actually the highest amount ever for a stand-up special at that time. Pretty crazy. Um, Over his career, uh, Eddie has been nominated for at least 100, over 100 separate awards. I counted them. I found a list and counted. Uh, There's, I think, 101. Now, so maybe stuff wasn't on the list. It's possible, but at least 100 different awards he was nominated for over the years. And he actually won a ton. 
including probably his biggest was the best supporting actor for the film dream girls in 2007 that was a uh golden globe he hasn't he hasn't won an oscar yet. i don't think he's ever even been nominated for an oscar unfortunately but the other awards are just am- so many of them over 100 uh and then he uh, also was given a lifetime achievement award from the critics choice movie awards in 2020 um so Comedy Central ranked Murphy number 10 on their list of the 100 greatest stand-ups of all time. And um, yeah, I, I, oh yeah, and I was going to mention about the, uh, the Peter Sellers thing with the multiple characters, but I was, you know, wondering, because like a lot of actors have done that since, but I do always feel like that's a, you know, obviously like Tyler Perry or whatever. I do feel like it's an Eddie Murphy thing for me. Like that's who I think of with if you're one person playing all these other roles in makeup. I always think it's that to me, it's an Eddie Murphy thing, but I guess it was a Peter Sellers thing. I just actually haven't seen that many Peter Sellers movies. I think I've seen the original Pink Panther once, but um, I, I just am not super familiar with his body of work. Um, so that's, that's it for, for that. Um, if you guys are good, uh, do you want to talk about coming to America? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So just really quick. Uh, I'm going to hold on one second. Sorry. I was on mute. I just oh. want to like, click. So, who is above Eddie Murphy on that stand-up? Bobby, thank you for bringing it up. Because <laughs> that, I, I want to fight somebody for that. Like, he's, hmm. in my book, he should be on everybody's top, at least the top three. Okay. And he's not two or three. <laughs> and what'd you say? He was 10? He was 10. That's, I don't know. Man. I did I not, know. I did, I do not have that information. Uh, Why do you say that? Because I actually have it up. Do it. So, uh, so at number ten we have Eddie Murphy, and this okay, this list is bogus. <laughs> so number ten we have Eddie Murphy. Number nine is Roseanne. What? What? Fuck that done. shit! Oh, oh my, god. my god, that is nonsense. Roseanne should not even be on anyone's list. Not on the not oh, in the no. hundred. Not in the hundred. No. She was funny. She was funny before she got crazy, right? We're talking about but funnier than Eddie. Top, top ten, top one hundred. I wouldn't put her on. We're talking oh, no. here. What has she done? Like the the rest of these people who are, so far number eight, number seven, number six. They all have. You can, okay, so so what do we got? So number nine, and right under her is Bill Cosby, which is you know, she's only he's only one step below uh, Roseanne. Number seven, we have Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, number six, we have Steve Martin. Five, we have Chris Rock. Three, we have uh, excuse me, four, five is Chris Rock. Four, Woody Allen. Three, Lenny Bruce. Two, George Carlin. Number one, Richard Pryor. Our, I, I mean, Carlin. Carlin should be should be high on that list. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if Carlin's number two or if he's number one. No, right? I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know what number he is, but Carlin should be, I agree with, I don't know, I don't know. agree with too many of those top tens, but. Yeah. But everything's subjective, I don't know. That's true. But Roseanne is list. flat out goddamn bullshit. That's just fucking nonsense. <laughs> right. Go home, Comedy you, Central, you're drunk. And you say Woody Allen, like the Woody Allen? Yeah. The Woody yeah. Allen that's currently. Yeah. All right, I, let me. Yeah. The one. Pedo. Yeah. Mr. Petto, I I didn't uh, know he did stand up. I just looked it up. Yeah, he did. I didn't realize he that he did. He did. I mean, I've that's seen very... like I haven't seen any of Woody Allen's works. Like not a single one. Well, I don't know. I don't I'm think just, I like, have either. I've we don't never, have to do ever... an episode on him because he's a he's a gross piece of crap. So absolutely. Uh, is. <clears throat> anyway, fuck that. <laughs> 
Coming to America was released in 1988, directed by John Landis, and it was their second film working together after uh, Trading Places. Uh, supporting cast includes Arsenio Hall, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, Sherry Headley, and John Amos. Uh, basic plot is Murphy plays Akeem Joffer, the crown prince of the fictional African nation of Zamunda, who travels to the United States in the hopes of finding a woman he can marry for love. Ah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, so this is a classic to a lot of people, I think. And uh, what do you guys feel about this movie? Was this something, you know, that you guys have always had a relationship with? Do you like this movie? Do you not like this movie? Do you love it? Like, what What, what do you think? Uh, Javi, you go. You're up. So this is probably one of the earliest movies I remember watching. Like, uh, this movie was big uh, for me, my family, all my friends, my, my neighborhood. Uh, it was just, you know, like, kind of took it for granted at the time i took it for granted at the time because i was so young but the fact that it was a movie that was highlighting black voices um you know that's a big deal especially at that time the fact that you the lead characters even though they're not actually from an african country they were playing africans and not playing that stereotypical poor you know, they, you know, they're coming to America for a better life, right? Like, you know, they, they, they're coming from wealth. They, they're downgrading. By yeah, they're slumming it. Right? They're yeah. slumming it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, time slumming it. <laughs> you know, like everything, like even, um, you got to think about the time frame and the culture at the time, um, especially among, I'll, I'll speak from like the African-American perspective so, as much as I can as one person. But I, I remember a scene, scene in the barbershop. And, you know, I think for mo a lot of people not familiar with our community, it, it was just a funny scene. But when they're talking about his hair, I guess I think one of the one of the barbers, like, what do you what is this? What do you put like oils and like, like they're really like they're really like complimenting his hair and hair in the black community is such a, 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 a big topic. Right. You have good hair and you have bad hair and good hair especially at that time was associated with straight hair, like the more Western aesthetic and the fact that they were bigging up his hair as an African and like, a, you know, and it was natural and it was like an Afro almost like things like that. Just, it, it was more than a comedy for us. You know, mm -hmm. it, it was kind of, a, it, it was a way, it, it was a, a project of love, man. It was like a, a, a love letter to our community, man. And that's what and I remember. That, that's awesome. And I, I think uh, actually, you know, I've seen, for me, I think the first time I saw um, that dynamic that you mentioned, Javi, of the, you know, the barbershop and everything and how that's like such a community thing. And, and the question of good hair, bad hair was watching school days. Um, and that kind of had like a lot about that, you know, that and, and honestly, seeing that for the first time was the first time I ever really thought about it and realized it was such a like community um like conversation point and like such a divisive thing for um for the you know african-american community um and actually i want to call out to uh you know pixar's latest movie soul uh they they did a pretty good job having a barbershop scene like that and um there's a great documentary on uh, disney plus that goes like kind of behind the scenes of a lot of the pixar people and uh you know the the writer uh for soul said that he's like I really wanted to put a barbershop scene in there because it's such a community like pillar. And, uh, and he's like, I, you know, 
he, he, he pitched the idea and the people were like, all right, write the scene, you know, make it happen. And I think it was a, a really strong scene. And I, I think that's something that gets re- reinforced a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I love learning about that side of it because to me, the, you know, getting a haircut is just getting a haircut. You know, it's like, I've never had that like sense of community, yeah. uh, especially in that activity. So I think that is super cool and really interesting and just such like a, uh, an awesome thing to highlight in, in media like that. So I, I just thought that was really cool. And that's really a hallmark of any great story, right? Is bringing an experience to a person who hasn't had it. That's, yeah. yep. that's an awesome power that stories do have. Uh, and when they're told, right. And, and that is really cool. I did actually just watch soul uh, last weekend. That was, that was good. I enjoyed that. That yeah. barbershop scene was great. Absolutely. That barber is cool as hell too, by the way. Yeah. 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 He's a big guy. Like he was wicked cool. And I, you know, I loved, you know, not to get off topic, but I loved how it was like, uh, you know, Oh, didn't, didn't you uh, have any dreams? He's like, yeah, I had lots of dreams. I didn't dream about being a barber. Oh, well you should go chase those dreams. He's like, what do you mean? Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent, hundred percent happy here doing this right, right, right now, living like, in the moment. I love this. Mm-hmm. This wasn't my plan, but I just thought that was a what I'm doing. nice message that, you know, don't, you know, if you're always looking at the greener pasture, you're missing out on the one you're standing in. But um, so that's very interesting. Uh, so this was a very important movie back to coming to America. Very important movie for you. Uh, Wade, did you have a similar experience with this movie or what was your take? Yes, no. So it was a little different. Cause so for me, a lot of this stuff, I didn't really, really understand or appreciate until maybe like the early 90s when I was watching it again, a little bit older with my, because um, I watched it around like maybe like the late 80s with it on, like with, like with my mother and my father, watched well, my mom. And then I watched it again and my dad started highlighting a lot of stuff like, you know, the fact that like what Hobby said, the idea that this wasn't just a, um, Eddie Murphy wasn't coming here for a green card. He wasn't coming here to like be something else. He is that thing. Like you yeah. know, let people yeah. stop. He's already there. So those are things that I didn't really get, didn't really understand until I was a little bit older. Um, but in terms of like the movie, it was a staple for me in my household. If it was on, we were watching it. Uh, we were. It was a big Eddie Murphy household. He loved everything that he did. For me, it was always so cool that he played so many characters. He did so, and it wasn't a situation where every character sounded the same. So every the guy playing the barbershop sound different than um, the singer. You know what I mean? The singer sound different than Eddie. Eddie, sound, you know what I mean? So it was all these little random things in there that was cool. And the he was just cool. Um, and even like the goofiness of it. When you think of garbage, think of Akeem. Like it was still as <laughs> as goofy as it was. It was still like, oh my god, Eddie Murphy's more than okay with embarrass not, not necessarily embarrass himself, but like being someone that isn't the, the normal Eddie Murphy. And I, that was always dope to me. So it was, my experience was a little different, but like Hobby said, like the barbershop scene, like for me, that was normal. So I didn't really even know that that was a thing because it was just how it was in every barbershop that I went to. Mm-hmm. That's also something dope that like I didn't know. So there are little random things like that that I, I wouldn't have peeped if, if not for they're going to like hike hobbies and something like that. I'm like, Oh shit. That's so true that like, you know, that is like, it does bring people in and into the whole thing. with soul. like, not only was that a um, important moment for the, for like people watching, like it was an important part of the movie in general, because it did highlight the biggest part of that, which is like, you know, uh, 
and I, I'm going to make this terrible joke. Um, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Stick to the rivers and the streams that you're used to, man. Yeah, that's it. Oh man, that's so deep. That should be a that should be a hit. That should be a know. lyric. Let me write that down. Something. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I didn't watch this movie when I was a little kid. Um, this was one of the ones that slipped through the cracks. I don't know why, but um, I, I think I, I really focused on like the his action stuff more and cause there was always a lot of comet comedy in it. And so I think that like the movies I saw a million times when I was a kid were like the Beverly Hills cops and the, you know, the golden child. And I don't know, action adventure has always been my, my thing overall. And for some reason I did, I didn't see this until I was an adult. So um, I, but you know, this is, this is stands out to me as a movie that is try very hard. Like you said, you know, it's showing, uh, it's showing that they're they're awesome, and it's not just it's not just the how great he is, and he's coming here to slum it instead of looking for a better life. But also, what does he find here? He, you know, he finds Lisa and her her dad. You know, they basically own McDonald's. You know, they, they even if it's just you know it's just the one location, they have McDowell's, and they but they are like a very successful business as well. So I think it was really cool because not only is it like, all right, well, we also found successful people here, you know, these, you know, this, you know, great family dynamic, you know, black dad and his, and his daughter, and they're, they're doing awesome and they're successful business people, but also, you know, there are not a lot of stories or movies or TV shows that don't make you feel like crap if you work in fast food and it's a, that like seriously a lot of people work in fast food okay we all go to fast food but it's it's you know always spoken badly about it's a bad job it's a crap job it's you know nobody wants to do that and i just think it was great that they um they sort of made it not suck they're like well you know it's it's hard work you know eddie's learning how to mop and do doing you know in glamorous stuff but uh it was uh it, it, it sort of demystified it and made it okay. And then, you, you know, I love the, uh, the, the Louis Anderson character who's like so incredibly excited to have his job and uh, he has all these big plans and uh, how he's going to stick with it. And, you know, he's going to work his way up and eventually be a manager. And he's just so happy about it to be working fast food. And that created a really, really great juxtaposition for somebody who is the prince, you know, and has like three, hot naked chicks washing his pecker every day back home in his palace with his elephants. And he comes here and there's this, there's this like really pathetic lame guy who's just so incredibly happy to be working at this fast food place behind the cash register. Um, I, I just think overall, there's a lot of good messages in this movie and um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a really fun movie that, that has something to say, Joe, Joe, you, you recently saw this. Yeah, I saw it over the weekend. Um, I originally saw this at a at a drive-in when I was a kid, but I ended up falling asleep through it, so I don't really remember much about it. But uh, I'm not a huge Eddie Murphy fan. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Um, different although, folks, different folks, man. Well, right. Well, that's because you know I've never really watched any of his movies, but mm-hmm. no, I've watched three three of his movies over the weekend. How dare you have a different yeah. opinion than me? <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <How> you? <laughs> He's super woke now. 
Hashtag unsub. Um, I I honestly enjoyed the movies I watched, and I was pleasantly surprised with Coming to America, the first one. Mm-hmm. I pronounced it with the with the two, T-O. not the number, not the number two. That's um, T O. I I did not think the movie was that funny, but I enjoyed the story. I really liked the story, and like Steve said, um, he. He wasn't like he didn't think himself as above anyone else, right. and he just he was just you no know, really happy, you know, you know mopping mopping floors, and right. he was doing these mundane things that normally he wouldn't do in his palace because he'd had people do that for him. And um, I don't know, I just thought you know the movie sent really good messages, and it was a it was a good love story too. Yeah. I, I I really enjoyed it, and also like you know this is this is a very, very fortunate young man, right? Yes. Lap of luxury. He's a prince. And you also don't see enough characters who start off rich and want to deconstruct the life and experience what it's like to not be. And, but what is it like on the other side? And um, what does everybody else in the world have to deal with? And what's a mop? And, uh, all these things. I, th- I think that that is also another thing. Just if there's nothing else to it, no. If the, if you take out r- you know race and countries and all the stuff, if you just say just how much money you have, if you're born with the silver spoon, do you put it down? Are you uh, how many how many people are able to do that or care to do that or anything like that? So I think that that also right. was a great um, yeah yeah. I love I love the fact that his character was willing to change the way things are in his country right in his country um like he was against getting married uh to some random lady that you know he had just met or whatever an arranged marriage and mm-hmm. uh he wanted to find someone that he could emotionally connect to and yeah. i think that that's it was dope it's a be- it's a really beautiful thing yeah it is yeah um what was it t'challa um there's a quote from the Black Panther when they were talking about romantic love. And he was saying that people get married for all sorts of sorts of things, like to bridge gaps between communities for money and for businesses. Romantic love is like the highest ordeal. And like that's something that's always like stuck with me because it's a hundred percent true. Because sometimes people will just go along with things because it's like it's traditional, it's because it's what their um parents or the elders or the church tell you to do. When realistically, like love doesn't really have a blueprint. You know what I mean? There is no mm-hmm. right A, B, C, then D. Like you know what I mean? It's reasons why you have people who spend a lot of their lives like depressed because they can't really be who they want to be. And like, like okay, let's take the beginning of the movie. It was like the world of penis is clean, your highness. He was just um, like you know what I mean? It seems like it was really mundane. It's like that's not the life he wanted. And then when he found, then when he came of age, and it was time for him to have this arranged marriage, he wasn't happy. He goes, "Well, what do you like? What do you want?" Like, you right. know what I mean? And to him, like, it was like that's the idea of like you're just gonna do anything that I want to do. That that's not what I want. Right. Like, and his father just did. And his father, it was funny. His father didn't even get it. Like, he goes, he goes, "I assume you already with the royal." I was like, "Dog." <laughs> <laughs> but it's the idea of it. Like that idea, like the love part about it, but it's like a thousand percent true. Right. And it's a great case for, you know, 
uh, nature versus nurture. He, he, all of his nurturing uh, was to take the path of least resistance and just keep on keeping on being waited on, you know, having your dick washed by gorgeous naked chicks every morning. Like every, every single thing was like, no, just stay where you're just keep on doing. It's fine. Like, we'll, we'll we got this. And, uh, and he just, he just, it wasn't him to do that. Yeah. So his nature was like, no, no, I, I don't want to do that. Which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, so obviously we have a bunch of movies to, to go on to any last thoughts on the first coming to America before I read some fun fact trivia type shit. No, go for it. Yep. You good. All right. So the, uh, this is uh, all the trivia tonight is brought to you by IMDb because I'm lazy, but also, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great resource for fun, fun facts. The name of the fictional African country, um, Zamunda is actually taken from a Richard Pryor routine, uh, where he referred to a fictional fictional African tribe of the same name. Oh, that's pretty cool. Realize that, uh, reprising their roles from trading places, 1983 is Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy who played fallen millionaire brothers Mortimer and Randolph Duke in a scene near the end of the movie where uh, there are a couple of bums on the side of the road uh, panhandling on a New York City street and he gives them uh, some cold hard cash. And uh, it's really kind of funny because it's, uh, you know, it's a through line that these characters were. Um, it's it's like the universe. It's the Eddie Murphy, John Landis universe. They they both directed, uh, worked on, I should say, they both worked on those movies. Landis directed both. And then um, we'll see in coming number two, America, they are referenced one more time, which is kind of fun. Um, also, just kind of a random fun fact, uh, Arsenio Hall, who also played, we haven't mentioned it, but Arsenio played a ton of characters in this movie too. Yeah. Um, including a very, very not attractive lady. Um, <laughs> Arsenio voices uh, the character of Winston Zedmore on the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which is one of my all-time favorite 80s cartoons by far. Um, which what? Is just, yeah. I didn't know. Yep. Oh, yeah. He was Winston. And uh, that, that role was originally written for Eddie Murphy. The, uh, the original, I don't know if wow. you guys know the Ghostbusters thing, but the deal is that Dan Aykroyd was uh, in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. And on set, he was just kind of like, hey, uh, you know, uh, we got this thing where, where, you know, Ramus and I are doing, we're working on this Ghostbusters thing. You should, you should totally be in it. And apparently the, uh, the pair, Ramus and Aykroyd, envisioned the four. The original choice for the four was the two of them, Eddie Murphy and... John Belushi and then John Belushi friggin' died and um, Eddie Murphy ended up uh, he wanted to do it he totally wanted to do it he's talked about it since he says absolutely it would have been cool but guess what he got his first offer to be a lead in something which was Beverly Hills Cop 1 so couldn't pass that up he couldn't Mm -hmm. pass up his first shot at being a leading man so he turned down Ghostbusters because he had to. He, he wanted to do both, but he couldn't. So um, that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know. Sometimes scheduling just doesn't work. Um, but I thought that was kind of fun. Um, yeah. Also kind of interesting that um, director of Ghostbusters, Ivan Reitman, has uh, said that that's all not true um, in interviews. And apparently 
Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy both are like, he's fucking on drugs. This is absolutely <laughs> that is what happened. He's, he's completely wrong. wrong. They're, they're both like, yes, no, 100%. Um, and it was all because Aykroyd really liked working with him on um, trading places. But apparently there was a big uh, falling out. I don't know if uh, people realize, but between uh, Eddie Murphy and John Landis, they really, really ended up not liking each other by about halfway through filming uh, Coming to America, which is uh, very ironic because the only reason why Landis had that job was because of Murphy, because uh, he had produced four failed movies at the time one of which was uh the twilight zone movie where like four people died or three people died or something it's like a famously cursed movie and um the studio was like fuck john landis we don't want to ever work with this guy and for and murphy was like no i really liked working with him on the last one i really want him to do this and they're like okay i guess so the only reason Landis was even there was because of Murphy. And then they ended up like having a huge falling out, but they eventually made up years later and uh, Landis came back and filmed. He directed Beverly Hills Cop three. So anyway, that's my, uh, that's my Murphy Landis uh, bit on to coming to America, because I really think that's the only way to pronounce it. You got to pause before you say the two and then really punch it. <laughs> really enunciate that <laughs> yeah. too. And then, you know, it's a number somehow you're like coming to him. Come on. Am I wrong? Coming, coming one to two. America. There you go. <laughs> so, Released in uh, 2021, the year of our current time, uh, directed by Craig Brewer, who um, just had recently directed Murphy in another movie, which I love called Dolomite is my name. And uh, if you have not seen Dolomite is my name, please, for God's sakes, Go watch it. It's amazing, especially if you love movies that are good movies that are based on like I want to say crappy movies, but I actually really enjoy the original Dolomite. But I I love bad movies. So just like the the room, like and the disaster artist, it's the same sort of thing. So if you saw that and you liked that movie, this is the same concept. It's about the history. It's it's a dramatization, but it's it's the history of you know these people all you know making this movie and. Um, other examples of this are like Ed Wood with Johnny Depp um, in the 90s. And also there's a great movie that gets no love at all with Mario Van Peebles. I don't know if you guys know this movie. It's called Bad Ass and it's got a bunch of extra A's in it. And it is about um, his dad, Melvin Van Peebles, who made his exploitation movie in the 70s that was called Sweet Sweetback's Badass Groove. And um, that that came out in like, oh, two or so i mean it's it was like early 2000s and it is the same sort of thing as dolomite is my name awesome love it to death i love all movies like that i love it it's like it should be considered a genre i don't know what what to call it but it's like good movies about making bad movies i don't know what it is i don't know but anyway exploitation exploitation it's, <laughs> it's fucking awesome and it's not all black exploitation it's like because like i said ed wood totally same thing and yeah. um what was the other one? I, I oh yeah, the room, the disaster artist, same sort of thing. Great, yeah. very great movies. Actually, of all those, I think uh, my least favorite is probably uh, Disaster Artist, which it's funny because it got the most acclaim. But Dolomite is my name is fucking awesome, so you should go. Watch it, it. If you don't, if you don't finish that movie and have like the greatest respect for Ray Moore, like I don't know Rudy Ray. What the tell you? Uh, yeah, I've seen Dolomite. Or I had seen Dolomite already. I've seen it. Yeah. I love. I really love 
movies that are like quote unquote good bad movies. Yeah. I love exploitation stuff. I mean, especially since like I think what introduced me to like the black exploitation quote unquote stuff is uh Black Dynamite. When I had first mm-hmm. seen Black Dynamite, I I hadn't seen Shaft or Sweet Sweet Back or, you know, Dolomite or anything like that. And then that was sort of my gateway and I'm like, "Oh, well, I want to see I want to see the movies that this is referencing." And there yeah. is a there is a Dolomite character in in Black Dynamite yeah. who rhymes the whole time and you know, um but anyway, so great movie awesome mm-hmm. shit uh so yeah anyway craig brewer is the director of both that and coming to america supporting cast includes <clears throat> yeah pretty much everyone from the original film except for the lady who played lisa's sister who is inexplicably absent and uh also the uh the woman who played eddie murphy's mom in the first movie had since passed away um and um a couple, couple of people couldn't make their cameos. They were uh, Samuel Jackson was asked to come back and he couldn't do it because there was a, some sort of scheduling thing. And Eric LaSalle, same sort of, same sort of deal. I guess Eric LaSalle, uh, he, he directs like some cop Chicago cop procedural show. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he, they, they film in Chicago and he literally couldn't make it work. So um but anyway, everyone else is pretty much in it. And also they added some, uh, some new blood, uh, namely, in my opinion, the, uh, I loved how they kept it in the SNL family with Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan, uh, both very funny in this movie. Uh, basic plot is Prince Akeem learns that he has a son back in America on the deathbed of his father, King Jaffa Jaffer. And uh, Akeem seeks to find his only son, Lavelle, and bring him back to Africa so he may be his heir since Akeem only has daughters. And according to Zamundan tradition, the line of succession can only be passed to a son, which is lame and shitty, but so very true to actual life. It's common. Actually were. Um, Right. So coming Number two, America. Thoughts, prayers, like it. Don't hashtag. Like it. Wade, wait, wait. Wade's got a hand up. This is why it's good that we do video in the back end. So two things. One, how are we not going to make a joke that coming to America doesn't that sounds like a porno? We're just not going to do that. Okay, fine. I mean, you just did uh, that. <laughs> are we not doing <laughs> phrasing anymore? Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing phrasing. Um, coming to America is the porn version. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to say I enjoyed it. Me and my wife watched it and we we laughed. We thought it was really cute. Like there was was it Coming to America one? Absolutely not. Was it a movie that anybody needed? No. Was it did I sit down and watch an hour and a half of fun? I absolutely did. I sat there, I watched it, I smiled, I didn't like belly laugh at a lot of stuff. There were a lot of things that made me happy, like the random cameo from Rick Ross, who, fun fact, they filmed that at his house. So that was that was kind of cool. Uh, Wesley Snipes killed as always. Uh, and the dude who played Lavelle is great. He was amazing and sorry to bother you. He was in the show called Superior Donuts, which I loved. So he was good. I like... Jermaine Fowler. Thank you, Javi. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot that I really enjoyed about this movie. There was, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I'm not going to say it was a phenomenal movie. I'm not going to say, make sure you rush out to go watch it. But if you got the time, go back and watch it. It's, I thought it was fun. Um, I think a lot of people didn't like it for a couple of reasons. Amongst them was 
no one asked for this movie. But I always look at it like this. Just because you didn't ask for it doesn't mean that it's not going to be something you enjoy. The plot was very predictable. You knew what was going to mm-hmm. happen. But who cares? It was. I still had fun. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, 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 I love the fact that the movie kind of like poked fun at itself with the whole sequel thing. Like that, there, was there was, that, that was funny. Wicked fine. And uh, yeah, like you said, it was very predictable. But it was a fun movie. I, I enjoyed it. And it, again, I didn't think it was funny all that much but whatever i i, I loved it I thought it was, yeah it's a good it was reason really good. for them to you know get the you know all the people back together again you know i'm sure for them it was a lot of fun to make i imagine so even if like no one else asked for it for them it's just a project and to get to work you know with a lot of you know these people again is probably like a great opportunity that you know maybe none of them thought would come around again and i i imagine that an opportunity arose in the past year uh, or more and and just took advantage of it and you know hey absolutely all the power to them do it you know mm-hmm. have fun with it and you know it's out there for pe- people who like it it's out there for people who don't you don't gotta watch it yeah but yeah and it's free to watch on amazon prime so yeah you got absolutely. nothing to lose really Except yeah maybe time if you don't like the movie but it's just about it so javi <laughs> yeah what, what sorry go ahead yeah yeah uh, Honestly, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about what Nintendo, Nintendo is saying about it not being all that funny. And surprisingly, I, I kind of agree on both accounts for both movies. And I was, uh, but I love both movies. Right. And I, I laughed hysterically in both movies. So coming T.O. America, the original, right? Uh, it, was, it wasn't necessarily, I think it was a comedy second in my mind in a superhero movie first almost like eddie murphy's character he was like a superhero um just a character i never knew could exist and did crazy things and, and he had then, a secret identity i i absolutely didn't think of that at all but that is really apt that's yeah yeah that's mm, it really right, is very similar. right it, that's really what and, and they made that movie for a purpose like there's a reason why it was a pre- predominantly black cast i think um uh, Louis Anderson, he was an add-on because the studio wanted at least one actor, one white actor. Um, yeah, I, I read about that, yeah. So it was kind of like, again, it was more than a comedy. And then to, to bring it to what we're talking about now, coming the number two America, <laughs> right? I don't know. You could call it coming to one, coming to two. Yeah, no, right? No, that's terrible. Coming sequel America. Coming America too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 <laughs> that's the porno right there. That um, is it. <laughs> <laughs> so with the sequel, it was a comedy second again, right? But it was uh, um, uh, my best friend's wife said it like this, and, and my wife I think said this s- similar thing to it as well. It was a fairy tale. It was uh, mm. it's like a like a, a modern day fairy tale with a princess and a prince and. And that's how it played out. It was predictable because it was it was playing to that I think to that fairy tale trope. Like you you know you knew that the hero was going to win. There wasn't really this big surprise at the end or the villain wins and you know whatever, right? Like it was just a straightforward fairy tale. And uh, again, a love letter to what coming to America America the original was. Right? It was it was just playing homage to that. And and honestly, if you look at it from that perspective. Um, in my opinion, it knocked it out the park. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, mm. and um, that's that's probably why. That's awesome, yeah. because I think that you know, by and large, these you know, we're getting sequels to movies thirty years later, um, 
you know, and this is not the first, but you know, like Bill and Ted three just came out last year. And, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of becoming a thing and obviously Cobra Kai is a similar thing, but it's a show. So clearly people are just really drunk on nostalgia right now. And that's like kind of the point. So I think if the point of this movie was it's just like Bill and Ted three, like the point is let's delight old fans by getting the old gang back together. Then I think it did a great job. I don't know yeah. if it stands out like as a wonderful movie. If you remove the first one, like if somebody just stumbles, like a, if a, a teenager who doesn't know anything about the first movie happens to see this and is like, Oh, I'm bored. I'm on prime. It's a huge poster. It's they're shoving it down my throat. I guess I'll watch a bunch this. of people. I recognize like, you know, right. Okay, like I'll check it out. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if that person is going to think it's as good. And I thought that while watching bill and Ted three as well, I loved it, but I mean, I was the target audience, so I think that they pleased the fans of the old stuff, and that was the most important thing. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched it with the family, um, and honestly, okay, so I just said what I said, but I'm going to contradict it. And uh, so my daughter Maddie, who is um, 11. She hasn't seen the first one. So she's watched a couple of Eddie Murphy movies with me because I watched, you know, so many getting ready for this episode, just so many. And she watched, you know, like The Golden Child. And um, uh, we watched a few. Um, oh, God. I, I've literally seen so many. I can't remember what. Oh, Trading Places. She loved Trading Places. She thought it was awesome. Um, so she watched Coming to America too, but she has not seen the first one. Um, I wanted to watch it with her and we just literally ran out of time. And I was like, I have to see the second one before this episode. I have to watch it. So we just, on Sunday, we watched it and, um, and she, she thought it was great. She really liked it. So she didn't have the nostalgia love from the first one and she still thought it was great. So maybe it is a good enough movie, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a lighthearted, fun fairy tale. Like you said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have heard yeah. some very compelling counter arguments to it being a good movie. And I think it's, it's great that you guys aren't in that camp. Um, but compelling arguments like, you know, fair, fair points all around for sure. But I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think I took it for what it was. I, I, I tried to go in with zero expectations uh, because like what again, Cap- uh, Captain, I was going to say Captain America. That's that's upcoming to America three. Uh, was Captain. <laughs> Captain to Captain America. To America. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did say it was a superhero movie. Yeah, exactly, oh. exactly. Right, and then you know they're gonna look for some gems, and Wakanda's gonna show up. <laughs> um, no, but uh, coming to America, the original one was such a like it was it was again it was an epic event more than a movie. Like I I I I wouldn't I wasn't expecting it to even come close to what coming to America was. And I think the fact that they said, you know what, we're not going to do any better than that. Mm. So let's make a different movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's, right. let's, 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 let's take these characters that we all love, you know, um, push the clock up 30 years. Where are they now? What are they doing now? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they didn't really take a lot of time to kind of, they didn't, they didn't try to remake something. They, they, they created something new. Like I, I watched it as a kid, but that was in the nineties. Right. Like I watched friggin' silence of the lambs as a kid right and all my mom did was cover my eyes during certain scenes right so you know that's how it was in the 90s but nowadays you know parents are a lot more aware of what their kids are consuming so the fact and eddie murphy he said it 
he said it before, like he really wants to make movies that his kids could watch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this movie was. It was it was something. It was universal. Something that absolutely. I think could get into. Yeah. It was it was great. Yeah, like I remembered. I remember thinking that Nutty Professor was a lot cleaner than it is, and I so I actually watched that with my daughter as well. And there are there are definitely some parts in that where I'm like, oh yeah, wow, no, I didn't quite remember. <laughs> um, and I mean, I remember like the old lady talking about relations and stuff, but I, that's just gonna <laughs> go overhead. She's not gonna. But so, but like, there's I don't know, there was definite stuff, and I was like, wow, this is I really I really thought it was different. Uh, oh well, you think that's bad? Listen to the the um the Nutty Professor soundtrack. That's like. The most X-rated soundtrack of any movie ever. Oh shit! Really? Wow. You know, just just iTunes that when you get a chance. I mean, there's no way it's more uh, more X-rated than Rudy Ray Moore stuff. No, I mean, have you so have you seen have you seen like are you familiar with like his album covers from like back in the day? Oh yeah, he had, like he had like a naked he had like a naked woman. Oh, on like every single album cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fully, yeah. yeah, it was great. So anyway, pretty much a music version of that. I would say. In, yeah. <laughs> Um, Wade, Wade, do you have anything else to say coming to America? Uh, Leslie Jones, the national treasure. She was great in this. Uh, uh, I, I really, I really like mashed potatoes. (laughs) I really liked seeing Tracy Morgan. I haven't seen him in a while. And, um, you know, I, I watched all of 30 rock. So, you know, I was used to seeing him all the time for, for a while. And it got to the point where, cause Tracy Morgan is like a little bit of a one trick sort of a guy. Like he, he kind of has his one setting and, and I enjoy it, but I don't know, after like seven seasons of, of 30 rock, I was like, okay, but I haven't seen him in so long that like, I don't know. His, his shtick was like completely renewed. So like every time he'd talk, I would laugh. Check out the OG. I was I just on Netflix. Yeah. That hobby took the word right out of my mouth. Yeah. Please favor, watch The Last OG. Yeah. The he Last is, OG. The Last OG. Yep. He isn't, he is and isn't a one trick pony in this. Like, I, I'm super impressed with what he's done with that, with that movie and kind of turned Tracy Morgan away from the whole, like, Tracy Morgan stick. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Right. Well, that's really good because I'm, kind of really excited to see him do a Louis Armstrong biopic and he's producing it and he's like a force getting it made and taking it dead seriously. And I think I'm a hundred percent there for that. I really hope he knocks it out of the park. I was just talking about this with my wife. Uh, I mean, look at, look at Jamie Foxx. He's a respected serious actor. Now he wasn't always, he was a comedian. He's just, that's it. You know, it's like when you, it's hard to cross over and then like, you know, once you do it and if you, you know, you do it well, you're like so respected as a guy, like a Robin Williams or something like somebody who can, you know, do dead poet society and right. Whatever. But anyway, I think that, uh, I'm, I'm really keeping my eye on that, uh, that Louis Armstrong biopic. I, I hope he does a great job with that, but, um, some trivia for the movie. So this was released 33 years after the original film. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, Trading Places was referenced again. And it was in the uh, the early scene where Lavelle is at a job interview. And uh, the, the douchebag rich kid who is giving the interview 
Uh, at one point, he turns to his uh, father and his grandfather, or whatever, uh, and his uncle. Uh, and there's a portrait on the wall, and it's it's uh, the two dudes from the original, from from Trading Places that we saw as bums in the original Coming to America. Um, and they even say the last name in this one because they don't. I don't think they say the last name in their cameo as bums in the first one, but um, they do mention the the Duke name, and uh, I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, the Zamundan Royal Palace was shot entirely at an estate owned by hip hop star and producer Rick Ross. It was literally his house, and like all the savines on on the uh, I mean all the scenes on the African savanna with like all those scenes. Th- those are his, that's his yard. He owns over two hundred acres. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. God damn! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so pretty insane. Um, uh, it's um, uh, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's implied that the that Queen uh, Aeolian Joffer, I'm probably saying the name wrong, Akeem's mother has has passed away. Uh, they don't directly address it, but it's, it is implied. That's uh, because Madge Sinclair, uh, the actress, passed away in 1995. Um, in the post credit scene, and this like literally brought me such joy, I like made a noise and like I looked at my wife and she was like already nodding. And uh, in the post after credit scene, uh, Saul, the Jewish barbershop patron played by Eddie Murphy, is uh, is saying the opening verse to the Rudy Ray Moore Dolomite spoken word piece, The Signifying Monkey, which was featured heavily in Dolomite is my name. And I have I have the first uh, the first eight lines or so written down here. And uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to recite it unless one of you guys wants to do it. Do you know it? I mean. I've never seen it, so I'm happy. I, I don't want to take it from you, but I, I will, I happily will do it. Oh, Javi, you muted. Oh, Javi's muted again. You, no, muted, you go ahead. Right? You, you go ahead. I, I don't have the. I don't okay, have the, here we go. The ability to do it like here we go. <clears throat> Way down in the jungle deep, the badass lion stepped on the signifying monkey's feet. The monkey said, "Motherfucker, can't you see? Why are you standing on my goddamn feet?" Lion said, I ain't heard a word you said. Said, if you say three more, I'll be stepping on your motherfucking head. I'm sorry, what now? Yo! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys you, watch Dolomite is my name, at least. Yeah. To, it, it, good, Steve, good, good job. Oh, man. Good job. <laughs> good, applause you, means you, a lot. you did Thanks, that pretty. I, bro, the. Oh. I'm so glad to see this video. I, I've never in my life seen a white guy recite that before. Dude, I got soul. And you knocked it off the park. <laughs> it's super bad. <clears throat> I can't just don't ask me to dance. Okay. Uh, or or jump. So <laughs> this when is, you when you come back to the old man Wade show, that's definitely what's gonna be happening. Oh <laughs> I will definitely uh be sick that day. Um so anyway. <laughs> We're at the end of our first half here, um, so it's uh, we're running a little late as always, but get to get our octoponder out of the way. When we come back, Wade, you'll be the first one. Um, I'll ask you to do your movie first, and if we if you need to just jet, you can just jet. Yeah, I'll, cool? I'll, I'll upgrade you, Bob. I hope Javi knows all the fucking socials and shit. Okay, like so before we do that, let's do some octopondering. Uh, this week's Octoponder This, as we posted on today on the Facebook group, is in the vein of Coming America 2 and Bill and Ted Face the Music, what classic comedy would you 
like to see get a modern sequel just one more round with the original cast of characters and and uh you know good or bad it's fun to see the gang together again that kind of a sort of a nostalgia trip just like we got here once you guys think about that and we're gonna come back and give you our answers after this short break deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark, where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at. Hello, this is Terrell Whitlatch. I am the lead creature designer for The Phantom Menace, among other things. And you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. All right, welcome back aboard, everyone. Before we took a break, we asked you this week's octo-ponder this question, which was... In the vein of Coming America 2, what classic comedy would you like to see get a modern sequel? So we're going to uh, read, or we're going to say our answers, and then I'm going to read you the ones from the Facebook group. So I'm just going to go down the list. Um, Old Man Wade, what so, classic comedy? So I'm taking two. One of them is a cheat. One of them, the first one is cheating, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Team America. Okay. And my second one is Step Brothers. Nice. Okay. Step Brothers starring Catherine Hahn of WandaVision fame. The world loves Catherine Hahn now. Oh, yeah. How? <laughs> Javi. Javi, you muted, muted again, dude. You got to be more woke than you are. <laughs> I, have like three, you. I have like three screens and I have a dog that ha that's very loud. Oh, okay. Well, I time. actually appreciate it. Thanks, man. I apologize about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. What you got? Honestly, I can't think of one so like really that I want to see redone. Um, so but quickly, I really enjoyed Van Wilder and I think Ryan Reynolds. Anything any more I, I want to see more Ryan Reynolds, right? And I, I really like the original Van Wilder. Um, I would love to see what his character is doing. Maybe he still went back to college for year 20 or something like that. Oh know. man, he's got to be a guidance counselor. Yeah, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely a guidance counselor. He definitely sits <laughs> with his chair, like, you know, whatever. Um, Avi, I'm going to politely ask you to stay away from my baby. Oh, <laughs> back I'm, ribs. Sorry, I'm sorry. That's his, that's his boo. That's his boo. Ben Wilder is his boo. That's your boo. And, um, I claim this boo. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You like skinny uh, Canadian guys. That's 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 fine. Yeah. That. And uh, Dumb and Dumber. See, well, because they did Dumb and Dumber too with the original guys. Did they do it with the original guys? It wasn't yeah. guys, was it? Dumb and Dumber too. And yeah, then there, they did Dumb three and Dumber. Of them. And that one was yeah, not that the was same technically guys. like yeah. the okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber was <laughs> so a, a trip a, a, a 
a third sequel with Jim Carrey and the other guy. Okay, because they did do one true sequel with them. Yeah. Okay. Got they it. now need to do Dumb to Dumber. Dumb yeah. and Dumberist. <laughs> the Dumbering. Dumb Fortastic. Yes. <laughs> the Dumbastic Four. Eight bit. Uh, so, so the movie I need to see a sequel with all the original people is a sequel to Mystery Men. Oh wow! I fucking love Mystery I Men. I love that movie. It was one of those one of those dumb movies that like yeah. just did not get you no know, much love. Didn't get didn't do well at the box office. But I love that movie. I still quote it. Uh, I think it's a blast. And I think a sequel to Mystery Men would be awesome. Yeah, I, I would. I would love to see that. I'd be all over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice. I, I still say uh, in the, <laughs> there's one part where like the, all the villains are all together and one of the gangs are just these dumbass frat guys. And uh, it's literally exactly what I think of every time I see Matt Gates open his fucking fat mouth. And uh, <laughs> and so like there's one part where uh, Jeffrey was it Jeffrey Rush is casting over Frankenstein and he's like moving them to the other room. And then one of the frat guys. Might might be might be Matt Gates. I don't know. He's like he's like whoa, dude. He's like, can we bring the brewskis? And uh, uh, you Jeffrey must Rush in his, in his German accent goes, yeah. You may definitely bring the brewskis. That's it. And there's also uh, I, w- I wasn't expecting to see you so spoon. spoon. And then he whips a spoon at yes. Nintendo. What you got, man? I got loaded weapon one. With uh, nice. Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Emilio Estevez. Nice, I, love I think movie. that that would be awesome. I I love that movie. It's like they don't make comedies like that anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, and like yeah, it's Loaded Weapon One. We need Loaded we- Loaded I mean, Weapon two. two. I know it yeah. says one right in the name. Damn it. Yeah, I uh, love that movie. That was that the first movie where I I ever noticed Samuel L. Jackson was in that movie. I, yeah, I didn't know who he was at the time. Um. My pick is going to be Spaceballs. I want, I want oh, Spaceballs too. The sequel, the, the search for more money. We're allowed to do movies where people are, where people are like are aren't around anymore. I mean, I, I'm just. This I is a know. dream scenario. There, some of them are alive. I mean, no, 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 John Candy, but no. But before you could do the sequel, you, you're gonna need like prequels that are like critically panned first, like three prequels. I mean, Spaceballs, the then, prequel trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when the prequels were coming, when just the Phantom Menace was out. I remember um, uh, the internet was like talking about they should totally do uh, a prequel to Spaceballs and have Jonathan Lipnicki, who is still a kid at the time, play a young Dark Helmet. And that, that I thought was a pretty funny idea. That would um, be great. That would have been really funny. <laughs> but uh, that's, those, are, those are our picks. Um, so Facebook group, Retroids. You guys came out in force, as you always do. Thank you very much. So uh, I'm going to read these uh, through now. Uh, try to go through them a little bit quickly. Uh, Eric Michaud chose Ace Ventura. Christine Krikorian, a.k.a. Madam Parasite, chose Clueless, which I think is a great choice. Unfortunately, Brittany Murphy. Very sad. Mm. Yeah. But it would still be fun. I, I, I actually, Clueless is an unabashed like guilty pleasure of mine. I, I admit, I, I love that movie. Uh, David Apuzo. I love this answer so much. He says, do super Mario brothers too, but call it Doki Doki panic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so nerdy. I love it. So good. So many layers, you know, uh, ogres have uh, layers. Uh, so does that, that answer. Um, Stephanie Adams says the Adams family, 
Uh, number three, starring Grown Up Wednesday, Pugsley, and Pubert. Little, little Pubert. Fun yeah. Adam's Family fact. The reason why uh, the little baby was named Pubert in Adam's Family Values is because in the original comics that the Adam's Family was based on, which came before the TV show, none of the characters had names. Not even any of them. None of them had names. And then they made the TV show in the 60s and they went to the original guy. Um, I can't remember his first name. Bob Adams or something. Something Adams. And uh, it literally, he's like, I don't have names. They're like, we need names. It's going to be a show. He's like, uh. and so he like gave people choices. He's like, I don't know. And, and for Pugsley, he's like, um, I don't know. I got like Pubert or Pugsley. And they're like, uh, Pugsley. And so that's a known like trivia factoid. And so when the movie was made, they're like, oh, let's name the kid the alternate Pugsley name. Anyway, fun fact. Um, huh. Moving on, uh, Ian Davidson, a.k.a. El Goro from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast, the deepest voice man in America, uh, chose Ooh, Big toe. Trouble in Little China, which um, hell yeah, I think is the right answer. That is mm-hmm. the right answer. That's Thank the answer he, I, I wish I thought of. I want a mulligan. Uh, yeah, right. I, know, right? No, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China like is just the right answer. They're, like all the other ones are wrong. Uh, 8-Bit Glitch 79, our buddy Sean says, The Goonies or Princess Bride? Ooh. Uh, Russ Lyman, a.k.a. Russly Man, says, Okay, I would definitely say The Goonies. I feel like that is a must and is totally doable. I'm sure plenty will pick this, and he's right. Um, so to not come off, uh, I don't want to be, so he said, so it won't come off unique enough. So my second choice is, the Burbs with Tom Hanks. Another yeah, awesome movie. that was a good movie. Uh, I'm not sure about the plot without it being the same with new members moving in, but maybe they're on vacation somewhere, question mark. Um, I, it's a really funny, funny random choice. I love The Burbs. I don't know if it could possibly work as a sequel, but I mean, I love The Burbs. Uh, Brandon Mark Power says, Real Genius, amazing answer, or Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. I didn't even know this. I've never even heard of this movie. I looked it up. Apparently, it's a Fred Ward movie. Um, I, I got nothing. Remo That's Williams, like, the adventure begins. His name, he's named after uh, a bedpan. Nice. He finds a he finds a bedpan named Remo Williams or something like that. Oh, so you know this movie? This, yo, this movie's. I'm surprised you don't know it. Like, I don't know it. Right in your wheelhouse, it's a good movie. I don't know. It, you know, it's like it's, it's a perfect mix of like late '80s. I don't know, fake kung fu. <laughs> hero gets amnesia or something revenge plot like it's so, awesome so you you're saying solid pick it's a solid pick, solid pick. it's great okay. it's great uh, i'll have to i'll have to check it out i definitely have not uh seen this movie uh phil conti says encino man clue weird science trading places time bandits or ice pirates wow so he did not narrow it down too much he did not um and then he finally didn't. our buddy ian wallace says adventures in babysitting perhaps or the goonies granted i'm reaching calling it a comedy but still yeah the goonies and as a tribute to i should read this as ian wallace and as tribute to a legend one of these new school cats needs to redo busting loose one time out of respect for the mighty richard Pryor. I loved the adventures from babysitting. I watched that movie so freaking many times as a kid. It's, it's I mean, it's the first appearance of Thor. So ever, ever first yeah. on screen Thor yeah. ever. First on yeah. screen Thor. Let it be known. 
So thank you, uh, Retroids, as always, for participating in our Octoponder this. That was very fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to you guys for giving your answers as well. Um, moving on to the rest of the meat and the potatoes. Old Man Wade, why don't pee. you tell us about your pick? What's uh, What Eddie Murphy movie did you bring to the table tonight? I actually picked my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. It's one of my favorite uh, movies in general of all times. I picked Harlem Nights. Nice. Uh, Harlem was actually, I think I may have saw this before I saw Coming to America. This, so this may have been my introduction to, oh, sorry, hold on. This may have been my introduction to Eddie Murphy as a actor. Like I saw the stand-ups and all that, but this may have been my first introduction to him as an actor. And this movie has always spoken to me. And um, I love old school, like 1920s, 1930s, like crime stories and like the whole, like, the, I love it. I, everything about this movie just like kind of speaks to me, speaks to me as a writer, speaks to me as someone who loves movies. And the fact that this was Eddie Murphy not being, well, Eddie Murphy, you know what I mean? He wasn't, right. he wasn't. Right. He's, he's, his character is not that funny in this movie. He's pretty serious in this. From Yeah, from start to finish. Yeah. He doesn't have his funny moments, but sometimes right. they're accidentally funny. Like, obviously the scene where he's fighting um, Della Reese and, is funny in itself, but like it wasn't like that was the only one of the few times where he was, you know, specifically being comedic. The movie itself wasn't even really that comedic, to be honest with you. Right. That's that scene specifically overall. Yeah, I would agree that that was like the one that almost seemed. I, I kind of thought that scene didn't really belong in the movie. Not that it wasn't good, but it just it just sort of tonally didn't really fit with the rest of it. So, but uh, I'm going to agree and disagree. I agree because in terms of the tone of the movie. It didn't, it didn't fit. But as the as the movie, you're talking about the Arsenio scene, right? No, 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 no. The fight with um um that movie, that part was just weird altogether. But I still loved it for what it was. It kind of broke up the seriousness of everything that was going on. I was talking about the scene with um Eddie Murphy and um Della Reese um when she put um they fought uh in the alley. Okay, okay. Oh, now you're gonna shoot me in my pinky toe. <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> right 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 because like that i thought you're talking about that scene because eventually that leads into something that happens at the end of the movie and also the um the sweet moment um quick and um vera had at the end about him apologizing for shooting her and the whole like just everything so that kind of built up to it um red fox was hysterical the whole time just like, just being red fox and like not wanting to put the glasses on then when he did put the glasses on like the cameraman getting like the perfect angle of his eyes just being like huge yeah yeah or the delivery of all the lines uh there go kiss my ass and um red fox shut the fuck up <laughs> 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 and shit, shit like that like yeah. I love everything about this and then to get to like the seriousness of it i rewatched it again today just to kind of have it fresh in my mind Richard Pryor wasn't the greatest actor in terms of like facial expressions because they were all just like kind of like big eyed. And the whole time I'm like, wait, this isn't the movie where he's blind, right? I'm like, okay, no. But <laughs> his delivery of the lines were great. Yeah. Um, then, then, oh my God, the cast. So I had to bring the cast up Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, uh, Denny Aiello, uh, Michael Lerner, Della Reese, um, Jasmine Guy, uh, Leela Rochin. Arsenio Hall, Thomas Michael Ford, who was Tommy and um, Martin, uh, a very young Tracy Morgan is in this movie, and then a ton of other um, 
Stan Shaw, like a ton of other like comedians who weren't like did more of the Chitlin Circus than they would have been, been like, you know, the main like, you know, other um performances and like rooms and stuff like that. Like just the ensemble was great. I can't say enough about this movie. Like, I could literally just sit and talk about this thing all day. Um and again, like watching it again, I still had the same kind of feeling I did the first time I watched it, the second time I watched it. Like it never gets old. And I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it, but like the crescendo to everything that happened was completely satisfying. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So I I highly recommend this. Actually, maybe more than any any other Eddie Murphy movie, I recommend um Harlem Nights. It's, Damn. It's, it's I gotta I, see it. It's an absolute classic. I think anybody who watches it will enjoy everything about it. I feel that you'll have a better appreciation for Eddie Murphy because he's not he's not him in Forty Eight Hours. He's not him in um any of the um uh Beverly Hills Cop movies or right. you know, not at all. Completely separate <clears throat> from this. It's in, <laughs> in the first scene. Uh, Richard Pryor has one of my favorite lines. It's this dude in there who's he's like Eddie Murphy comes in, but he's a kid. Like it's like some actor playing a child. Um, Eddie Murphy and he comes in he goes get this kid out there and the guy's got like one tooth and like Richard Price is digging into him he goes get your bad luck guy ends up crapping out and he puts a knife to Richard Price's character he's gonna stab him but then Eddie Murphy the young uh, quick who Eddie Murphy's character shoots him and then Richard Price goes damn I guess kids are bad luck <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good scene it's 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 so so good yeah and I'm seeing that. Uh, did you mention that Eddie Murphy actually directed this? Directed and wrote it. Yeah, that is awesome. That's super cool. I didn't know that either. I didn't know he directed it. But I knew he wrote it. But like that's another thing. He doesn't. Yeah. But like does get the credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a movie I uh, I had only seen recently, and it's because uh, my very good friend and publishing partner uh, in Roughhouse Publishing, Derek Rook. This is one of his all-time favorite movies. Like top favorite movies and uh i had never seen it before and um we we watched it a couple of months ago and i'm um, just hanging out and like um yeah i mean like it, it, i mean it, it's my experience with it was was different than than his had been he grew up with this and i'd seen it a million times and um it was really funny because like he he said it was like so funny. This this is a, such a funny movie, and he's telling me about. He he's been telling me about it forever. Like and like he dies when he when he relates the scenes. He's like laughing and laughing and and all this stuff. And I just watching this movie. I didn't find it very funny. There were a few scenes that were funny, but I thought it was great. Like I didn't like saying it's not funny. I don't think is a dig at the movie. I think it was trying to be a lot more serious. It does still have that like slant. And obviously like the Arsenio hall scene is, is very cartoonish, but it's, it's a legitimate gangster movie set in the forties. I mean, like it's a, it's a super good movie, um, like an Al Capone sort of a movie, but it's, you know, got a, got a, I think it's mainly black cast. I, I don't know. I can't even think of anybody who's, uh, the, um, you had the, um, Bugsy, I think, is a Bubsy, whatever. The Italian mob guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Italian guy. Yeah, yeah. Rival, rival mob boss dude. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, it's Italian gang. But yeah, um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great movie. Um, and I think it's really cool that he, um, 
he he did so much eddie did so much for it and tried you know it, it came out so serious and i wonder if the, com- the comedy that's there is there because he wanted it to be or because there was pressure to have comedy in it because that is a stigma when you're a comedian sure. trying to do something else um fun fact uh you know the movie the elephant man just about the elephant man john merrick famous uh, deformed dude from the uh, like 1800s or whatever. There was a movie in the eighties that was uh, a biopic and um, it was black and white, but it was from the eighties. Um, that's a Mel Brooks movie. Mel Brooks got it made, produced it and did everything without his name. He's like, if people know that I'm a part of this, they're going to assume it's a comedy and they're going to go there expecting something that it's not. And he didn't want to make a, a comedy. He wanted to make a dead serious movie about the elephant man. So he got all the people in place. He couldn't do anything himself. And he, his name was off of it. So I wonder if, if there was pressure uh, to make it funnier than maybe Eddie wanted it to be or, or not. I mean, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. It's but. almost similar to um, something that happened recently in 2017, 2018 with Get Out, where because Jordan Peele's name was on it, the um, Academy wrote it, put it up for like best comedy. All right. And, Did you watch the movie? Yeah, and he was like, yeah, if you thought this was a comedy, then you just either didn't you didn't watch it. it. Yeah, you didn't watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome pick. Harlem Knights. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Uh, yeah. Really cool gangster movie. Lots of amazing actors in it. Basically, it's comedy legends. Uh, doing, I think, a, a pretty damn good job being serious for the most part. I mean, Red Fox is still Red Fox, but Pryor is, is I think he plays it very straight and he's very good in this movie. I like, I mean, his character is by far my favorite. Um, and I love that opening scene that you mentioned uh, so much. It's it's like awesome. I, I love it. Uh, the funny thing about Richard Pryor's role in that movie was he had moments where he was being funny but it wasn't necessarily like his normal comedy. It was within the realm of that character. Right. It, yeah. It wasn't like Richard Pryor injecting his own shtick into it at all. Exactly. Like there's <clears> a scene in particular we can go with when he starts talking, when he's talking to his wife and they're in bed and she was trying to be romantic. And she was like, how about if we make love all night and then make love all, uh, all morning. And he goes, how about, five minutes of love making and then we fall asleep in a passionate coma and i'm laughing <laughs> it wasn't necessarily like this drop dead moment but it's yeah. literally a conversation a yeah. lot of us hear us having with our significant others you know what i mean yeah. i yeah, was like sure. it was it wasn't just it was cute and funny like you know what i mean it was something that seemed right in the flow of things mm-hmm. to your point that eddie murphy that actually the arsenio hall part with him like overly crying with um, Miguel Nunez, it was, I laugh. It still cracks me up, but it does really seem out of place. And now that you mentioned it, I'm thinking like, imagine if that would have been more of a, um, a straight scene, a more dramatic scene. And even at the end of it, he still goes, um, fuck you quick. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine what it would have been like if that was the whole thing. Like that movie, this movie, I was saying to my wife, and I'm actually going to be doing a review for this. Imagine if they redid this movie like just not a part two, not a sequel. They redid this movie, and Eddie Murphy ended up playing Sugar's role, and they played this. Oh wow! As a as a straight movie, it's just not. There's no like they still do the, a lot of the comedic things, but they take away certain scenes like yeah, uh, like that that at the Arsenio Hall theme. Like 
you know what I mean? And you add the stuff, like it could, I think it'll still do well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't, there is, there aren't a lot of parts that are cringeworthy that aren't acceptable now. Mm. So I would, oh God. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, man, that's right. awesome. I'm definitely so, watching this movie now. I think you, you, you're going to be around for another 20 minutes or so, uh, or maybe less. So if you need to go, just peace out. Just let us know you're leaving. And uh, I'll let you do a quick plug before you go of, of the show again. Um, let's let's uh, keep it moving. Um, Nintendo, what, what, do you, what do you got for your pick? Yeah, I got uh, The Golden Child. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, the uh, the whole point of the movie is Eddie Murphy's character, I forget his name, uh, Chandler. Uh, he has this ability to find missing children, and uh, and he was on TV trying to find some some girl, and uh, a uh, a sh- a uh, key name uh, just happened to watch this this TV show that he was on, and she finds him and goes to him and asks for his help to find the golden child because he's been kidnapped by the evil Sardo Numspa, and. Uh, my dear uh, sweet he, brother Noomse. He uh Chandler is like he's all like, what the hell is this lady talking about? Like, what is this mumbo jumbo with with dragons and right. and this child being like the, the, the savior of of mankind or whatever and uh and he he eventually gets a vision of of the golden child and uh and he's all like what the fuck did I just see? And uh, he's, he's, ta- he's talking to a bird that just happened to hey show bird. up at that time. Fucking bird. Hey bird. Hey bird. <laughs> um, so yeah, he meets up with uh key Nang and, uh, and he tries to, he goes, I feel to, like they um, don't even say her name in the movie. Like I never know what her name is. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they go to uh, Tibet yep. to, to get the th- this dagger, the certain dagger um, that they have to keep away from uh, Sardo, um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 just a really good movie. I I enjoyed it a lot. I, I really like the the practical effects of the movie too. Yeah, like when Sardo turns into a, a dragon or uh, yeah. a, a devil, a devil or something, and uh, yeah, done really well. Yeah, for, the, for that time. Totally. I mean, it's like, it's up there with like big trouble in little China's effects. You know, it's that kind of a, I think it's a very comparable movie, honestly, to to big trouble, little China. It's the same sort of tone. Um, You know, Eddie Murphy is infinitely more capable than, um, oh my God, I can't remember his name. Uh, What's, what's uh, Uh, Chandler? No, no, no. um, Kurt Russell's character in Big Trouble. Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, you know, Pork yeah. Chop Express. Burton. I can't remember his name. Jack. <laughs> it's Jack yeah, something. Like yeah, half yeah. of every. Jack Burton. Jack Burton, the old Pork Chop Express. I mean, he was a he was a buffoon, but you know, same sort of thing, same energy. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I yeah. I love I love the Golden Child. It's it's uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, I, I thought Eddie Murphy was a a badass in this yeah. movie. And he's so fu- I love I love how his character constantly mumbles to himself all the time in this movie. Yeah. 
he thinks everything's ridiculous and he's just laughing and everything's just a huge joke, but he's just very quiet about it. And he's just like, okay, mm-hmm. man, all right, got a guy over here with a half, half dragon lady. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, and he's right, just like, right, you right. know, the whole movie, that's what he does. He's just kind of like just mumbling to himself about how ridiculous yeah. everything is. Um, and yeah. when he goes to get that knife, oh my God, I, oh, that scene. You're making it look like there's no flaw here, but. <laughs> It's just, it's just clear, huh? It's funny. And he takes the drop of water and he's like, lets a little drop fall between the logs. He's standing. No, 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 no. He, he couldn't, he couldn't drop any water. That oh, was the whole right. thing. So, well, he did something. So to, he, he, he took a coin oh, and a he coin. dropped it. He flipped yeah. the coin. That's what it was. And he's waiting for it to make a sound to, to hear the floor. There's no floor here. Kills me. I love yeah. that movie. I, I probably, this is, this is my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. I, I literally watched this movie a million times as a kid and as a teenager, but to be fair, sci-fi action adventure fantasy shit is my shit. So this is makes sense by far yeah. my favorite. But anyway, I, lo- I love it. Yeah. I'm glad Very you fun movie. I, I'm really glad. You yeah. Highly, I highly recommend it. It was a good movie. Um, 8-Bit, you want to go next? We'll do Javi and then sure. myself. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, so uh, the Eddie Murphy movie I went with is uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. A uh, bit of a bit of a controversial choice i've mentioned it in uh, various company and i used to get groans but i'm like man fuck that i love this movie That's i think vampire in brooklyn right it, it's so this movie was uh, one of my mom's favorite movies that had eddie murphy in it uh arguably because he's just so goddamn dashing in it uh but yeah, also mom, it's just basically uh, our, so we're brothers our mom has like anytime a, a, a guy had long hair she was there for big it. fan it's it, like big fan it didn't matter, yep. and he, he yep. had long big, hair in this movie. She's like, "Oh, oh, now I'm attracted to Eddie Murphy. I wasn't before, right. but he has long hair." Right. right, we got Fabio Murphy in this movie, so <laughs> she's all there. So, uh, yeah, so so Vampire in Brooklyn is uh, a ton of fun. I recently just watched this uh, with uh, with my girlfriend Stephanie, and and she loved it. She had a ton of fun uh, watching this, and that was what my quote was from uh, earlier on. But yeah, so this movie is great because it is a genre that. I love so much, you know, it's a horror comedy and it's not, it doesn't go heavy into the horror, but it's there. There's definitely Mm. gore. There's horror makeup. There's horror scenes. You know, they do a lot with the vampire transformations that look fucking awesome. Uh, Honestly, like, you know, Eddie Murphy as a vampire kicks ass. It's not like silly at all. And he's got stages. Um, And he has stages. You get the final, the the full vampire at the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the movie was directed, you know, directed by Wes Craven, which gave it a lot of like horror clout. You know, it wasn't like it was just some nobody. It's like it's Wes freaking Craven. So, you know, that was that was awesome on its own right. But, you know, you have Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett. And I mean, like, holy shit, like two just insanely awesome uh, actors there. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the basic premise is that Eddie Murphy is like the last vampire who like his clan is coven. I think they call it has fled from Africa and they took refuge in the Caribbean islands for a while. And then, uh, you know, one by one, they're kind of just like dying off. And he ends up hearing this rumor that there's a, a half human, half vampire, a damn peer. Uh, that lives in Brooklyn somewhere, and uh, and he so he kind of like sh- like puts himself in his coffin and you know ships himself to Brooklyn to try and find her to try and essentially like repopulate vampires, you know, yeah. uh, and it's like okay, cool, you know that's legit, 
And, uh, and I think, uh, so what's super interesting about this movie is that Eddie Murphy for as, you know, as many comedies as he was in, like, I feel like his role in this movie was simultaneously not the funny man. And also like, even though he's the main character, he's actually the bad guy. Like, because really the whole time you're rooting for Angela Bassett's character, right? Like she's the the character who's really sympathetic. You know, you do like in a way, like you do feel for um, Eddie Murphy. He plays the vampire Maximilian Uh, Max's like whole background and everything you feel for him. Like you want him to succeed and be able to repopulate, but you see the way he goes about it and you, and you get to meet uh, Angela Bassett's character's name is uh, Rita and Rita. Like you're like, but I don't, necessarily want her to like just be wooed magically and and just be you know a, right. a slave to like the you know <clears throat> to maximilian uh but yeah so you know really early on in the movie uh you see max uh turn this you know pretty average dude named uh, julian um and played by kadeem hardison yeah yeah played by kadeem hardison and julian he, he gets bit on the neck and you're like, oh, he's going to become a vampire. Except, no, this movie turns, uh, vampires turn, you know, their servants into ghouls. Well, well he didn't uh, bite he, him he, on the he neck. Didn't, he didn't. He, he gave him. Or he fed him blood. blood. He yeah, fed he him fed blood. Him, that's, that's what he did. Yeah. That's what he did. That's the difference. So he fed him blood. He turns into a ghoul. And so Julian is like the, the comic relief for the whole movie. And I, I friggin' love Julian. Like, he's super funny. I love, yeah. like, that they, they went with this whole shtick of, like, him slowly rotting over the oh, course yeah. of the movie and, like, shit, a piece of him is just falling off and his ear pops off. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, I started this morning. Man, I have one less ear now. His you uncle, know? played by John Watterson, is like... Amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, Silas, Silas you, you got the dropsies. You got the dropsies. Is, you got the dropsies. I got no dropsies. <laughs> Wade, you've love, been dying... Love both of them. Wade has been dying to say something. Wade, what you got? Uh, a couple of things. One, I gotta bounce, but um, I also want to make sure that uh, Vampire in Brooklyn is, is also on that list. I put the number three on my favorite A. Murphy list. Nice. quote from that is, I've been stabbed and I've been hanged and I've been burned, even broken on a rack once, but I've never been shot before. Kind of tickles. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of itches a little. Yeah, it itches a little. <laughs> yeah. That's when he, like, kills Mitch Pileggi and Mitch Pileggi's only scene in this movie. It's like, what? why did they get him? It's so random. Could have been a nobody. It's like, oh, no, we're going to get Mitch Pileggi, have him be uh, just in it for one second to get his heart ripped out of his chest. Okay, done. That's what we're doing. Right, done. Yeah, and that heart rip out was pretty kick-ass, too. It, it, yeah, um, it, was good, it was good. So yeah, so uh, so wait. Uh, I don't know if you if you have to head out. Do you want to just you know have a, a final word? Uh, thank you for letting me come on here. Um, I will listen back so I can hear. Um, I don't. Know, I think it's everyone's pick. Oh, I got a Super Bowl's pick, but I'll go back and listen to it, or we'll argue about it on my show later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, thank you guys for having me. Uh, and you have a rest of the show. I'm pretty sure you guys are going for another hour. Uh, awesome. We're, we're gonna try not to, but thanks for being on, man. <laughs> Thank and, you so much, uh, Wade. And uh, we're gonna. Talk. I love you, old man. <laughs> Leave my baby alone. I will. <laughs> no more talking about Van Wilder. That's yeah, no, no Van Wilder. That's his boo. Um. um so yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, definitely love this movie. You know, kind of go through a bunch of different evolutions of uh, the characters. You see uh, a lot of growth with you know. Maximilian with Julian, uh, with Rita. I I just think it's it's super funny. It's successfully funny. The horror scenes are done well. The the you know the makeup and everything is like really graphic and you know like, like we mentioned the scene where the guy's heart gets ripped out. It's like holy shit, 
like like you're not expecting that level of gore um but yeah it it's an awesome flip uh flick and i i think it should be appreciated more i would i would actually love to see a sequel to this movie too to be frank the way that it ends i'm not going to spoil it but i feel like i i would love to see that too yeah for sure but uh I, i said his name wrong earlier but john witherspoon uh you know from the fr- from the friday movies and various other things i i don't know i really gotta say like he's my favorite part of this movie oh yeah you like yeah he he's wicked funny I, he he says so much with his looks like he just glares and it's like, so it kills me it's like yeah the scene when kadeem hardison is washing the car and his hand just comes off yep and then he has this moment <laughs> where he's like his like kadeem hardison's like first he's like oh my god my hand just came off and then his second thought is, oh, my God, did somebody just see it? And he turns around and Unk is like looking at him right there. And he's like, mm, and he's like, look at him. He's like, Mm-mm. you know, he's just waiting for it. He's like, you got the dropsies. And, and like, he's like, oh, come on, man. Like every single time something goes wrong, like, you know, his uncle's right there and uh, seeing it. And oh, my God, I don't know. I and also he he like I always make fun of people when they say like werewolf or wolf. Oh, like, that's something I always wolf. make fun of that because I think yeah, he just, does so funny he has the most perfectly formed woof woof in the beginning when he's describing because they do the they do the scene from dracula i mean that's the the boat and exiting the boat as a wolf from like that's dracula that's how dracula in the book comes to shore in england it's it's a ship full of dead people uh in dracula i think it's the empty and the insinuation is that he's killed them drained them thrown them overboard but the um he he, uh, he a, a big wolf is seen leaving the ship and then uh, seen around London before he makes himself known as a, as a man basically. So that that's cool. They did the they did the Dracula scene. That's awesome. Right. But it's just so funny. Yeah. Like intro's great to hear to hear John Witherspoon. He's just like he's like it's a it's a it's a wolf. It's a wolf. It's a wolf. And, the, and then the the cop guy <laughs> shows up and he's like he's, he's like oh did it look like that? And there was a like one of the police dogs, just a like a German Shepherd. He's like did it look like that. He's like he's like what? No, it didn't look like that. It was a wolf. You know what a wolf looks like? He's like that times like twenty five. Like I don't know. It's, it's, uh, he just kills me. It's so funny. That to the tenth um, power. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this movie also does not get the credit that it deserves, and it's a it's a pretty pretty fun movie. I really like it. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of remember people to, uh, like this. This kind of sticks in my my mind. I, I was just old enough. Some reason my mom took me to the movie theater where to watch this movie, and I I don't understand why, but. <laughs> growing up with wild back then apparently um but i do remember it people weren't really taking it that seriously it was like what eddie murphy in a horror movie like what is this like i i, right. I remember people really not taking it seriously at the time but i hope it gets a resurgence because it deserves it i Absolutely. i've heard that and i i think i could probably see this because you know i try to remember the the commercials at the time I mean, obviously we can look up the trailer it's easy enough to find but i believe that the trailer really built it as a comedy so like i do remember the scene that wade did when he like you know he gets shot and he's like i've been stabbed i've been you know i've never it, never been shot it kind of itches a little and then there was like another scene in the movie where he's talking to angel bassett and he's like i would love to have you for dinner and it's like okay so that's what this is this is just cheesy vampire cheesy puns. vampire one-liners yeah and it's like yeah the whole entire trailer makes you think that Eddie Murphy is the hero or the main character at least. And you're right. He's not, he, I, what I, I'd call him like a sympathetic villain. He's, he's like, he's like a Thanos. You can see his point, right. 
you're like, okay, well, he's just trying to repropagate his, his people. So, you know, oh yeah, okay, all vampires are bad if you're the food. Like, we see him right. as bad, but he doesn't right. see himself as bad. So, I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it, is, it is interesting. It is interesting mm-hmm. that they start the movie and you feel like, oh, he's going to be the bad guy. And, I mean, the good guy. And, uh, you know, we've seen all the trailers and, and we're waiting for the funny. And then he rips Mitch Pileggi's heart out. And then, like, I don't know. There isn't as much comedy as you think. And, and like you said, the funny, the funny stuff isn't mostly Eddie. He just has a couple of little things. A couple of one, yeah. And right. most, of, most of it's, like, Kadeem Hardison and John Witherspoon. And, like, pretty much... I mean, Right, it's like the supporting cast that really creates a lot of the comedy. Yeah. yeah. But, and uh, yeah, I think I think what happened was probably like you said the trailers for it that whatever the editing was, you know, the directive from them to edit the trailer in a certain way probably did a big disservice to the movie because right. I, I bet you anything it misled people into thinking it was going to be this you know big goofy uh, you know Eddie Murphy comedy kind right. of thing and and you know unfortunately like this is one of those movies that I think uh, stands apart uh, in a comedic actor's you know kind of pantheon because it's them going out of their comfort zone yeah right and uh you know it's it's like uh you know uh will ferrell in uh, stranger than fiction or like you know jim carrey in in uh, the number 23 or whatever it's like them really going out of their element yeah. it's not necessarily like <clears throat> that dramatic but i think i love this movie because of how different of a role it is and i think i'll also love harlem nights for that reason um but yeah, you know, I think it's too bad because it does tend to get kind of swept under the carpet yeah. and uh, and people tend to poo poo it. But I think uh, I don't think it deserves it at all. Yeah. And I, I think it's also what Javi said, where, you know, you remember, you know, Javi, you said you remember people thinking that, you know, just was not that good. And it was just, a, you know, what's Eddie Murphy doing in a horror movie? Like, what is this? I don't understand it. And it's like, okay, well, so like the concept of it means you can't accept it. And then, so I think that's why the trailer ended up looking more like a comedy because the studio is probably like, oh, people aren't going to understand this. They're like, let's just, it can't not be a comedy. So it has to, so let's make it look like more of a comedy. And then, then you're just like baiting and switching people. So it's almost like setting people up for setting the thing up for failure. But anyway, um, so super woke. Hey, what you got, man? So I was excited to do this because I was able to watch probably and like this is not my favorite, one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies. This is one of my favorite movies just in general. Nice. Um, trading places. Um, it's I, I just rewatched it like right before we did the show um with my wife. I've, I've watched it so many times that mm-hmm. like you know, I, I just I, I just love it. Like I um and it's still so relevant. Like you know, there is a pretty flagrant blackface scene in it with Dan Aykroyd, but there sure is. minus that, like you know, taking that and, and, and putting that in its proper context and the time and date that the movie was made, it's a woke movie. Like it talks about it. It has a message. It has multiple messages. You know, we're talking about you know um, the 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 wealth gap. We're talking about um, systemic racism. We're talking about nature versus nurture. Um, all these discussions, and it's wrapped up in an extremely funny package led by Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Um, as, as you said earlier, um, it's it's part of the John Landis Eddie Murphy universe. So you know, me and my wife always talk about how this movie shares a, is in the same universe as Coming to America, um, and it's just it the pacing is perfect like, there's no boring scenes like I, 
it, it's just a perfect movie from the beginning to the end. And I'm pretty sure a, a lot of people are familiar with it, but just to like, you know, um, rehash the plot bit, um, Eddie Murphy plays a, uh, a con artist, right? Um, in the eighties in Philadelphia, you know, he's pretending to be a, a handicapped vet, Vietnam vet, um, begging people for money. And that's it. That's how he starts out. Dan Aykroyd plays, um, Louis, uh, was it Wint, uh, Winthrop? I can't say the name properly. It's like, Win- you always want to say Winthrop, but it's Win- it Winthrop. Winthrop. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I can't mm. pronounce it. He's the man. He's a manager of a investment firm, um, Duke and Duke. That's led by the two Duke brothers, Randolph and Mortimer. Um, and he makes them tons of money. Um, he's, he's a genius when it comes to these future speculations and, um, the Duke brothers are like beyond rich and they're bored and very racist. And they, and they see Eddie Murphy. Um, they, they, they come into contact with Eddie Murphy funny enough. Cause Dan Aykroyd accuses him of stealing, trying to steal um, their payroll. And so um, the two Duke brothers, they bet each other. Um, they want to know whether or not um, Dan Aykroyd's character is successful because he was, he has good superior genetics or is, was it due to the fact that he went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton and whatever, right? So they bet that if they put Eddie Murphy in that situation, um, Eddie Murphy's play, um, playing Billy Ray Valentine, they put him in that situation that he'll be just as successful as Dan Aykroyd. Well, Randolph believes that. Murdermore believes the... Um, no, Mortimer believes that Eddie Murphy would succeed and Randolph um, believes that he, you know, he'll fail. So they ruin... Um, Winthrop's life they, they they frame him for stealing I think 50 bucks or something like that uh, and they plant her- PCP on him so he gets arrested and they take Eddie Murphy. It wasn't heroin it was PCP but it wasn't mine <laughs> <laughs> I love how he corrects them every time as every it single time. it wasn't yeah. heroin <laughs> <laughs> but I never touched the stuff mm. <laughs> Uh, and so, and um, hilarity ensues. Um, eventually, Eddie um, Ray Valentine, Billy Ray Valentine, finds out that it was a bet, and they, they never really wanted him to succeed. They're gonna throw him back in the street once the bet is over. So he teams up with um, Went- Winthrop, and they 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 scheme their way into bankrupting the Duke brothers and becoming extremely rich. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's essentially the plot there. And uh, also features uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in her prime. So here's the thing. I feel like 90% of the time, 90% of my rewatches of this was on broadcast television. Because I do not remember seeing so much nudity. You see a lot. Oh, my gosh. Jamie Lee Curtis, like, (laughs) I I, want to rewatch it just just for her. Like, she is honestly the most beautiful woman ever in the world, period. Like, (laughs) just watch watch this just for her. Like, she's, 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 she is, you see all of, you see all of Jamie Lee. This was, I said, I watched this with, uh, with my daughter and she is at the stage where, you know, she's 11. She, she doesn't like seeing stuff still on movies. So if there are boobs, like she doesn't, she doesn't look she's like averting her eyes just because okay. she doesn't want to see it yeah. so uh and she's a, she's a girl it's like i don't know i mean i it's funny but okay like she's bothering her so like yeah there were there was a lot of like 
me covering her eyes, but not because I am preventing her from seeing it. It's because I know she doesn't want to. And it'd be like, okay, when, you know, and they were, they were, there were some implied sex scenes. They weren't really, nothing really much there, but there was some full, full frontal nudity. Yeah, there was. And, and, and this is from my wife. She's, she's watching with me. And at first she's like, I don't understand why people think Jamie Lee Curtis is so, so pretty. And I'm like, just wait, because when we first see her, she's like wearing she's she's a prostitute and she's all gussied up like a 1980s prostitute with the fake wig and a giant fur coat. So you don't really see much. And um, she brings Dan Aykroyd's character to her apartment and she takes off her her um, fur coat <laughs> oh, and then sure. she's not wearing a bra. She's wearing like this, you know, very form fitted outfit. Yeah. And my wife is like, wait, it's like a, real? to be fair, you know, she's wearing like a superhero <laughs> outfit. Because yeah. Like- oh, yeah. It's like you know just completely yeah. like like if vacuum the, sealed on there if, if they made a green lantern movie and yeah. the star sapphires had a were in it and the star sapphires had their comic accurate costume it would be what jamie lee curtis was wearing in that scene right there. but she knocked it off the part like my, my wife looks at it and she's like wait are those like her breasts are so perfect i was are those real i'm like yes they are right like, like, now i get it <laughs> oh i get it but yeah. honestly oh, I get like, it. her <laughs> character is awesome Yes. Like she's such like, you know, heart of gold. Um, you know, she helps Dan Aykroyd. Uh, she has essentially nothing. So yeah. her character is like this, you know, I have nothing, but I will help this person who has less than me. Ironically, who was yesterday so goddamn rich, she had a manservant and, you know, all this, this mansion and all this stuff. Well, um, and that's part of the reason why, part of the reason why I like this movie is because it kind of subverts what you expect from these characters. So Eddie Murphy's character, you know, he's, he's a guy in the street, he's struggling, you know, he's kind of a con artist and the Duke brothers think that, you know, giving him some proximity to their whiteness, right. was going to make him better when in reality, he's actually pretty smart. And he, he kind of, he's actually kind of a genius when it comes to speculating on these futures. Right. And he's actually making them a lot of money. And then Jamie Lee Curtis's character who, um, she plays Ophelia and um, she tells Dan Aykroyd's character her name and he's about to like mansplain her um, Shakespeare. Right, right, right. Right. And she's like, yes, I understand where my name comes from. Right. And not only that, she has she has her own investments. Right. She's like, yeah. you know, I have one more year on my back and I'll be able to retire. Right. Like she has it all planned out. Yep. Um, so it really it's it's oh, I'm telling you, like beyond it, it's it's a great movie. It, it's and it's so relevant to, to even today, yeah. what's happening today. And it's fun too. Like I always like when stories will purposely flip flop the audience on who their sympathies lie with and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of this movie, you can't stand Dan Aykroyd. He's like a hundred percent unlikable. And, you know, he's just a sniveling piece of crap. And you're literally, you're like cheering to see him go through all this shit. Like when he's, you know, at the police station and he's such a pompous piece of crap. And, and you're like, Oh yeah, suck it. Ackroyd. And then later they, they flip flop it. And you're like, Oh no, now I hate the old guys way more. And then when like, you know, Eddie ends up, you know, going back, going back and teaming up with them. And, and then, you know, they join forces and it's, it's awesome. You know, it's great to have that, sort of a, a three-dimensionality to any sort of a character but it's nice because they do it with the old men too you don't hate them at first you know you don't a hundred percent understand really at least one of them it. yeah they, one of them seems they, seems better but when you yeah. hear like oh at the end of the month the experiment's over they're, they're kicking eddie murphy out 
Um, and it was all just a, it was a, a bet for $1. I mean, they're just, they just have no consideration for anybody at all. They're so, so out of touch that everything mm-hmm. is just play things to them and it's, they're just despicable, but yeah, really, really awesome movie. Um, mm-hmm. Great pick. I was happy to see it uh, with my daughter. I'm glad she really liked it. Uh, you know, again, I, I didn't remember there was <laughs> that stuff was in there. I, I, I don't know. It's like it, that happens a lot with 80s movies I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I don't remember this was in this. Oh, well, you know, I remember but that, that movie. Was, I think it's, I, I would want like if I had kids, I would watch it with them. I might yeah, yeah, find yeah. an edited version with totally. them. But again, it, like, it, it, it's there's a lesson in that movie. You know? Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Like she, she loved it. Sure. I'm I'm happy she saw it. She was happy she saw it. It's just a matter of like, oh, well, I just didn't remember. But, you know, every parent has their own, you know, threshold of what they want their kids to, to see. And maybe it's not the perfect breasts of Jamie Lee Curtis circa 1980, whatever it was um so yeah good pick um all right my pick is the movie 48 hours which um full disclosure i had never seen the 48 hours movies we at the at the end of our seasons our season finale is always um we say it's it's like the first time viewing of classic movies so it's movies that you feel like you probably should have seen at some point. Like maybe if you haven't seen the Godfather or something like that. Um, and then we, we, we use that as an excuse. All right, I'm going to actually watch this movie, you know, and we pick it and we give our unfiltered opinions on, you know, whether we liked it or not or whatever. But I, I definitely would say that I've been meaning to see this movie forever. And I just, I don't know. I knew it was a cop movie. Um, I didn't really know anything more about it. I knew there was a sequel. So anyway, um, 48 Hours, uh, released in 1982, um, directed by Walter Hill, who also did cult favorite The Warriors. There's a couple of The Warriors who are in this movie as well. Uh, Stars Eddie Murphy as charming criminal Reggie Hammond and Nick Nolte as nigh unlikable detect police. uh, I think he's a detective. Jack Kate's kind of a weird last name. Kate um, was so racist. Oh my God. So freaking racist. <laughs> He's so racist in this movie. So the thing is, the thing is with this movie is like, so you, you talked about uh, trading places being a woke movie. I think this is a woke movie. I'm interesting to see if you agree with that. I do. Um, I do. Yep. So, and I think that, you know, you said, oh, at the end, you know, Dan Aykroyd dresses in blackface. It's, uh, you know, he's trying to, supposed to be a Jamaican guy or something. And, um, and it's, that is an example of something that is now deemed offensive that maybe wasn't deemed offensive by movie studios at the time. But now you would never see that. But the stuff that's in 48 hours is 100% relevant, deliberate, deliberate, put there exactly for the reason it was meant to be there. And I think it's amazing how, like, I loved this movie. And I, and then I went and I watched the second one and the first one's better, but I, I enjoyed the second one a lot too. Um, But so this movie is uh, often called a buddy cop movie. It's also uh, erroneously called the first buddy cop movie. It is actually neither of those. It's not a buddy cop movie um, at all. It shouldn't even be called that. They're not, you know, Murphy's not even a cop. Uh, These two guys hate each other's guts. The entire freaking movie, 
they 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 are on each other's ass they go like through stages of like liking each other a little more and like being a little bit more tolerant uh, tolerant to each other mm. but uh i don't know if they ever be they almost i would say they almost become friends i would say like it, it's like close but i don't i don't really think that they really care about each other really um they're just they're just oil and, and water you know they're 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 just never gonna really truly mix but so basically the basic plot is you have a hard-nosed cop who reluctantly teams up with a wisecracking criminal who has uh is has been involved with the criminal that he's trying to track down in the past and so he goes and he gets him out of uh prison uh somehow he's able to get him paroled under his own custody for 48 hours and uh, they uh, they have that time period to track down this psycho fucking killer who's just his only name is Gans. They just call him Gans the whole time. Yeah. Uh, he's played by James Remar, who was in The Warriors. Um, so, yeah, dialogue in this movie, the whole point, it is raw as fuck. It's like completely raw. Yeah. Uh, but I found it to be uh, less for like an exploitation sort of like a comedy thing like oh i'm just gonna say motherfucker all the time and it's funny like that is a style but i think that the words that are in this movie are not really there for that reason uh it's it's it seems like more honest um there there's lots of bad racial slurs in this and it's not just the n-word there's other awful things i've never heard people actually call other people in movies ever um and like it's it's like oh my god that is just and and so on the surface you know i hear i hear this line set or whatever and i'm just like oh my god and i'm thinking of it in terms of seeing dan Aykroyd in blackface at the end of trading place i'm like oh my god it's a relic oh this is this is not okay today but then it's like no just keep watching and you realize that it's there to shine the light on shit that is real shit so it's not right. that the movie glorifies bad behavior. It just presents it. You know, it's like this. Right. It's a window into what that time period yeah, was. Exactly. You know? Or, you know, and, and still is and, and all this stuff. Like, yeah. You know, so right. to me, to me, this is a woke movie. To me, it's, it's still relevant in the same sort of way you talked about uh, Trading Places, Javi. Uh, in my opinion, the best scene in the movie is um, I'm going to just, just go through it a little bit. It's, it's when the two of them go into this redneck bar. And um, the whole scene's on YouTube. If you look up uh, 48 Hours Redneck Bar, um, it's, it's like five minutes long. It's, 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 it's fucking amazing. It's such an amazing awesome. scene. I, I, I swear to God, like, it, I, I love this scene. And this is a scene where I feel like, my God, I cannot imagine anyone else pulling this off but Eddie Murphy. Like, he just absolutely freaking kills it. So the, the idea is that they, they're looking for these, this criminal and this other criminal that broke him out of jail. So basically, these two guys. Um, and so they're pretty sure that one of them is, is a frequenter of this, like, you know, this country western bar or whatever. And so they go in, and, and, and Nick Nolte doesn't give a flying fuck about Eddie Murphy. And he's like what I'd call like a casual racist. He doesn't really have anything against black people. He just doesn't give a shit enough to like give a shit. He's like, well, this is just kind of like how everybody, this is how things are. So I'm just going to keep on playing this role because I could not fucking care less. He's really like very unlikable in this movie. And it's, it's the point. 
It's the point. You don't fuck. Right. You're not supposed to like Nick Nolte. He's not the lovable, you know, cop. not at all. He's like, he's you know. a fucking asshole. Right. So but but he also doesn't really want anything bad to happen to Eddie Murphy. And as the movie, you know, goes on, you do see him like a little bit, you know, you're like, OK, he's not like a little bit of growth. Yeah, he's not, he's not as bad as maybe you think of at first. But anyway, so they're, they're they're approaching this bar and Nick Nolte is just like he's like, they're going to fucking tear you apart in there. Like, you're, you're stupid. Like, you're going to go into this place. And he Murphy does not give a flying fuck. He doesn't give shit one. He's like, he's like, yeah, give me your badge. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, give me your badge. So he gives him his badge. And he's like, just 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 stand back, Nick Nolte. Stand back and I'll do my thing. So Nick Nolte's whole whole point in this scene is to just kind of stand back and watch. And they will occasionally pan back to him and he's just taking it all in. And you see him smiling and you know that Eddie Murphy is impressing the ever-living fuck out of him. Right. And it is the scene that wins him over to the degree that he's won over. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing. Eddie Murphy comes in and at first he's very, very polite, very smiley, very typical Eddie Murphy. Like, Hey, how you doing? How's it going? And everybody's just looking at him. Like he's got six heads. Oh my God. He's this fucking, what the hell is this guy doing in here? Is he crazy? Like, and he goes right up to the bar and the bartender is like giving him the hairy eyeball. The bartender does not want him here, obviously. And so Eddie Murphy, just very polite. And he's just like, so, uh, Hey, uh, you know, uh, Hey, uh, you know, ask him for a drink. And and the guy's like, you know, of course, he's like, he's like, oh, can I suggest a black Russian? And then Murphy is like, he's like, oh, you know, instead of being like insulted or whatever, that is the stupidest fucking lamest, laziest joke you could have. It's like it's not even it's it, like to call it racist is giving it too much credit. It's like that is the stupidest low hanging fruit of a joke. Right. So Murphy's reaction is to laugh uncontrollably at it and to make a huge production out of how fucking funny and clever it was. And he's like, oh, my God, black Russian. I get it because, you know, because, you know, I'm black and it's a black Russian. And he's like slapping the bar and then he's like slapping the guy next to him. He's like, oh, dude, the black Russian. And he's like going on and on about the black Russian. And it's just the best fuck you with a smile ever. <laughs> That he ever could have done is it's like it's so fucking goddamn good and and the bartender is getting the fuck you like he 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 a hundred percent gets right the fuck you he is not pleased at all and so then eddie murphy's like okay no seriously though i'll just take a i'll take an uh, a vodka so he pours him a vodka begrudgingly murphy drinks it and he's like, uh, oh, yeah, oops, uh, fumbled, uh, shows him his badge, like as if it was an accident as he's getting his wallet out. And, he know, you know, he knows the guy saw it. And uh, he's like, yeah, so seriously, I'm looking for this guy named Billy Bear. And uh, who played by uh, the dude who was, who was uh, his name's Sonny something. He was from Predator, the big Native American dude from uh, who played Billy. Oh, yeah, yeah. In in yeah. actually in this, he's, he's I only Billy play Bear. guys named Billy. Right? <laughs> like, I'm, uh, I'm looking for Billy Bear, and the, guy, the bartender's just like, oh, "I've never heard of him." And like that, Murphy just flips a switch, and you know the whole time it was planned. He was just waiting for this perfect moment, and this whole fucking thing was orchestrated. And he takes the glass, he throws the glass behind the bar, shatters a bunch of other glasses. The mirror behind the bar shelves come crashing down. The music stops playing. Everybody turns to look, and all of a sudden, the scene changes a hundred percent. It's like you know, one eighty, and and Eddie Murphy is 
perfectly in control of the situation. And he just like completely changes. Gone is the smile. He's not being friendly anymore. The, the fake smiling stuff. No, no, no. Now he, everybody is his bitch. And at first a couple of guys hurl, you know, racial stuff at him and even try to punch him. And he just, his responses are the best. The way that he like takes what they give. It's like they, everything bounces off him. Like any, any like n words and stuff he's like it, it's he's bulletproof absolutely bulletproof and then like you know he fights a couple of the guys and and like everybody there's a room full of rednecks this is one dude they could have killed him no problem room full of freaking guys who don't want him there and he ha- he has them shitting their pants it's like it is the best scene i i it's so kick-ass it's so yeah. it's so <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. And he's so, fly the whole time. Like his, oh, yeah. his tie doesn't even get out of place. This whole it, time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He just looks perfect. I mean, you know, it's like literally it's I, so badass. I watch, watch this movie. If you've never seen this movie, watch this movie. Um, the last thing I'll say um, is that it really surprised me. So you have, you have this, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad language in this and, you know, it's, it's definitely really cringy and stuff and it's not just N words, other stuff. Um, Nick Nolte calls him watermelon at one point. It's like, Whoa, Jesus. I've, I've never, uh. and so there, bad, there's, <laughs> what's that? I like, it's bad. And I just, I just wanted to like, just quickly interject in what you're saying. Like in, in Eddie Murphy, his character, Part of the reason why you know I'll, I'll put in put it in the woke char- category was just how unbreakable Eddie's character was. Yeah. Like it was just yeah. yep. you know he just ex- like yo because that's you know it's showing reality. Like people hate you or will say whatever they want to say to you based on your skin color. Because again, I don't think Nolte's character hated him per se. I think that his life sucked. He was just a miserable dude. Yeah, he, right? yeah, he was just a miserable piece of shit. Yeah, and he probably already had like these ideas about black people, like you know, like you know, just not not a not a out and out racist, but like yo, right, like, like a that's casual said, like, racist. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he was like a passive racist. He's not going to go out of his way to do anything, but he does still. Yeah, he's like yeah, yeah. n word. All right, and, and part of it, I, I saw some resentment, like some, and, and again, this is just this correlating to the real world. Like Eddie Murphy plays an ex con, right? Like or a con, not an ex con, like an actual, you know. A present he's, con. He's a, yeah, a present con, right? And but he's, he's smooth. He wears nice suits. He has a nice watch, right? Like he, cool he has bar. a swagger about him, right? Like, yeah. So Yeah, so, he goes to bust him out of prison and he's like, What are you doing with that suit on? He's just like, Oh, you know, I have a reputation up key with the ladies out here. He's like, you know, I, I dress sharp. He's like, I gotta look good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you see that like crawl under his his McNulty's skin, like oh right. yeah. he just yeah, hates yeah. it. But like, yeah, yeah it's like Eddie Murphy, you like the character, like you said, there's so much like hate and also just casual racism in the world that like he kind of has to be bulletproof. And I feel like as a culture, you kind of like you have two options. You either let it get to you or you just, you know, adapt and kind of become bulletproof because that that was the world at that point in time. And as horrible as, as it is and as hard as it is to look at, it's like that was the reality. And so the way that he takes it in stride and rather than lashing out, you know, at uh, Nick Nolte, he just kind of like, you know, next steps yeah. it. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Let's just, you know, let's keep going. And that's like kind of admirable that, that don't, he handles don't, it that way. 
Don't get it twisted. Steve will let you know. I could, I, I would be okay with him lashing out too. I just want to say that. But I, right. I, I get what oh, you're yeah. saying. <laughs> right. That's why I right. think that, like, that bar scene is so It's not that Nick so doesn't ca- deserve it. But yeah, that bar scene is so cathartic because right. he does lash out. He does punch people in the face and grab them and do all this stuff. And everybody just doesn't know what to do. So yeah, I think there is a difference between seeing an old movie, reading an old book and having there be scenes where you're like, oh, well, it was a product of the time. And, you know, that's just how it is. And you can't change it. And, you know, whatever. I think there's a difference between that and what this movie is. Like, you're uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable in both situations, I'll say. And mm-hmm. in this one, it's like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. It's like, good, tough shit. Because this shit, this is real shit. So you should be fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, just my last thing I wanted to say is, um, you know, there's a scene later on, you know, after the bar scene where it's, it's basically Nick Nolte being as nice as he pretty much can get. And I was not, this is what I was saying. Like this, this surprised me. I did not expect this at all. Uh, they're having a drink and I think they both got into a bar, another different bar fight. It was not that bar fight. And they both got in their ass or they fought each other. That's what happened. I think they fought each other and they kicked each other's ass. But anyway, so afterwards, they're just getting a beer. And and the quote is I, I had some trouble finding this quote. Like nobody wants to say the bad words in this and uh, put it put it to text. But uh, tough shit. Uh, so he he says he's talking to Reggie and they're both having a beer. And uh, and he's like, you know, all right. Well, you know, I just just, you know, you know, N-word, you know, watermelon. He's like, I didn't mean any of that stuff. And this is this is the line that gets me. He says, this is the most honest fucking line about in any police movie ever. He says, I was just doing my job keeping you down. Yep, that line stood out big time. He's just doing his job, keeping him down. That yep. is a fucking Damn. big. That's a big deal. I've yeah. I've never heard a cop movie say anything like that. To admit that, right? Right. Because we all know it right, really like, happens. So oh, yeah. to have to actually, and this was nineteen eighty what two? Two. Nineteen eighty two. Yep. I I was not expecting that at all. I was in full cringe mode. Oh, this is you know a product of the time. Oh, what are you gonna do? And then I was like, oh, 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 no, you're you're calling right. it out. OK, right. There's the truth. Right. That is there. different yeah. than I thought. What was that's not what I thought was happening. So I I I really liked the movie. I thought it was great. Eddie yeah. Murphy's a piece, man. That's all. Yeah. That's what I got from this. This whole conversation. Wow. Eddie Murphy, whatever you think about his career, it's probably an underrated take because I don't know if you could just. I right. think you, can't, <laughs> you can't like boil him down to one thing and yeah. also he like i feel like chose his roles pretty carefully and and you know there aren't you know maybe too many at least early on yeah, yeah at least early yeah, on he, and, and i mean yeah. and he hit a wall. later on things changed with like the the family comedies and stuff like that but i think for a while he was really picking his roles and and you know like yeah you know, having having a message having things to say with what he was doing mm-hmm. and how he was portraying you know the character in the community and things like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah pretty much so eddie murphy that's the uh that's the episode for you um so oh yeah um 
I think we've, we've done a pretty awesome job laying out some of his career and some highlights. And I hope that you guys had fun and maybe want to go check some of these movies out that maybe you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you haven't seen ever. And uh, hopefully you'll have a lot of fun with those because they're uh, some good shit. Let me tell you what. Um, we already got done telling you what. I don't even need, I don't even need to fucking tell you what. Like you already know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, if I'm uh, looking at my uh, look at my clock correctly, it is almost time to catch that horizon. Uh, but before we say goodbye, let's go to this. Hello and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That strange show. Throwdown Thursday. Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy. Three Guys That Horror. The new and improved Super Retro Throwback reviews the Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the... last 20 minutes of the movie that that's what right. the game is it's fucking monsters tearing up a fuck it's a fucking city secret underground hideouts cinema with harrison smith dorks the podcast the dorkening black and white fright the wicked horror show subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found for more information check out the Hello, this is Tom Kenny, voice actor, uh, the voice of the Ice King on Adventure Time, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Ah, oh, Gary the Snail, too. Hey, guess what you're filling your eye holes and ear holes with? The Dorkening! Oh, I love the Dorkening. Very popular in Ooh. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You got your spiked gauntlets, you got your bullet belt, you got your leather jacket and your denim, you got your hairspray, well put them on, cause it's time for another edition of Power to the Metal. How's it going everyone, this is Nintendo, and I am back with another segment of Power to the Metal, throwing the horns up, you guys can't see me, but throwing the horns, but we can, you also can't see me, yeah, you guys can see me, but the other guys can't. You can't see me. Um, so I'm, I'm doing something a little different for this segment. Uh, for the first time ever for this series, I'm going to do a solo artist. Hmm. And uh, and that solo artist is... Eddie Murphy? Todd... Eddie, Todd Eddie Murphy, yes. Todd Latour, who is the singer for Queensryche, and he just recently put out his first ever solo album, which sounds nothing like Queensryche. No. And... And uh, that album is called Rejoice in the Suffering. And holy crap, this album is pretty brutal. I did not know that Todd had has the vocal capacity that he has. Because I always thought he was just a really good Jeff Tate imitator. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, he, he's more than that. Yep, he is more than that. He uh, he can do the growls. He can do the operatic singing. He can you know, still sound like Jeff Tate. And uh, super, super talented vocals. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite singers in the, in the heavy metal genre. Um, some of my favorite songs is uh, Set It Off, which is a uh, bonus track. And also One by One, which is a mostly death metal song, which is kind of impressive. Um, I've never heard him sound like a freaking demon before. Um, <laughs> very, very cool stuff. Uh, I also love the title track. Rejoicing the Suffering is very good. Um, the very first song I ever heard off this album is called Vanguards of the Dawn Fall, which there's a video for. I'll post a link to that. Um, he also has a video for Crossroads to Insanity, which is a completely different song than the, the first video that he released. Um, the whole album is just freaking fantastic it's probably go- going to be my favorite album of the year even though it just mm. came out like last month you know joe it's you should very do good i listen to it all the time at the end of the year for our for our last episode you should do like nintendo's top five albums of the year power to the metal you know you should totally do that like, oh yeah, yeah that'd be fun down yeah that yeah. should be a, that should be a feature yeah that'd be fun yeah also love when uh that'd be when, a feature yes yes Feature in the future. I love it when uh, videos from an album are pulled like from vastly different songs like that. So you don't get like two that sound the same. It's like nice to show the range of what what's on the disc. And, you know, I, I, I always like that. Right. I haven't heard this yet. Yeah. You sent me the, the ha- damn song I- and I haven't listened to it. I want to I got to hear this album. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's, it's so heavy. Good. Uh, it's very heavy. And uh, it's on uh, Rat Pack Records. And uh, it took three years to write and record this album. Wow. Damn. Wow. So, and and uh, Todd himself did uh, all the drums and all the oh. all the vocals, obviously. Yeah, he's oh, a drummer shit. first. He's a drummer oh, wow. first um, and a singer no second. Um, he actually played drums on the latest Queensryche album. Um, very good drummer, too. Um, and his guitarist, Craig Blackwell, who did the bass guitars and keyboards and all the production and whatnot. And he, he, he has that awesome guitar tone. It's, it's amazing. It's like, I've never heard this guy before and now I'm going to, I'm going to keep track. You're of down. This guy. He's really You're there. Good. Yeah. I'm there for it. Nice. Very good stuff. I highly recommend it. If you like metal, of course, if not, then, you know, whatever. <laughs> it is <laughs> whatever. what it is. <laughs> it's just whatever. <laughs> Don't talk awesome. to me, whatever. I just added him to my title my title collection, so I'm gonna check it out. If I don't nice. like it, I'll come I'll come knocking on your door. So okay. Uh, Three. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I, I really gotta check this this album out. I've been meaning to and uh I don't know, it's just one of those things. I'm I'm glad you uh you did this. Now I now I now I gotta do it. Now I'm now I'm gonna do it. You gotta do it. Um, so I think, uh, for, for tasty proms this week, uh, we're running a little bit long, uh, Joe, do you want to just promo the, the channel? Sure. Yeah. We just launched a retro Redoctopus YouTube channel and we have, uh, quite a bit of, uh, videos up there now. Um, I, I, we are releasing a video every Monday, um, which is the retro gamia show that we do sometimes and, uh, really good stuff. I'll, I'll be doing like some reaction videos and, uh, we we may do like shorts, like YouTube shorts. That's the hip thing to do now. Um, <laughs> that might be fun to do. And uh, yeah, we're, we're please. Hip. Uh, we're with it. Hip we're, to be we're, short. We're, we're hip. We're hip and cool. 
Um, so right right now, last time I checked, we are at 47 subscribers. So it's well, we we're big time. We're big. Time. We're big time. We're, we're Javi, I don't know if you knew that we now. were big time, but we're big time. And, uh, we got like yeah, and we also uh, almost forty eight subscribers. We are are. I mean, those uh, numbers are just awe inspiring. Just want you to know. Yes. It, oh, I know. Yeah. No, oh, I know. For sure. So I'm glad sure. we could inspire it awe. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, we have our everything. video version of the interview we did of Stan Bush, which was fucking. Fantastic. Stan Bush I, from I the Transformers, still... the movie soundtrack. You remember him? Remember, were you I, a Transformers am... fan in the 80s, Javi? So one of my first traumatic experiences was watching um, uh, Optimus, Optimus dying yes. at the hands yes. of Megatron. Yes. And, well, um, well, okay, not the hands of Megatron, but like the hands of Hot Rod. Well, yeah, I, you know, I think Hot Rod definitely <laughs> didn't want the title, so they could have saved him. They could have saved him. He didn't need to take shit. He didn't need to take a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. It's a shit piece. One, one will stand. One will fall. Like no, we both. Why fall. throw away your life so recklessly? Prime. You should ask yourself, Megatron. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a fan of Transformers. Yeah, you were not a fan. I, I, I wasn't. Was oh, you was. Do you do you remember the soundtrack to that movie, that cartoon movie, like the touch? Just that's that's the only song. That's the only song. I don't know. I I did I didn't know there was an actual soundtrack, but yeah. the theme song. That's just that's all yeah. I think about. When I think about Transformers. I think about Optim the the voice actor that played yeah. Optimus in that song. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had the guy. You had the guy. That was Stan Bush. Yeah. 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 Yo, yeah, we got to chat with him for a few yeah, hours. Yeah, it was awesome. I would let I would let him I would let him autograph one of my boobs. Yeah. Like next <laughs> to, honestly, <laughs> not next both to you of Wade, them. he's like the biggest celebrity we've had on. So oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. You know, yeah. I know we, we set a we set a really high bar, so you know it's you know, tough to get better. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean it, the problem with Stan Bush is you don't get to talk about butt plugs enough. So uh, I feel like that would make him really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I'm trying to just picture his reaction to that and you might have been like, ooh, sorry, uh, I gotta go. Uh, you gotta slide that into conversation. Dinner. First, you talk about the uh, wine cork industry, and then mm. you slowly transition to butt plugs. Okay. It's, it's natural. It's a natural transition. Yep. Like before yep. you even know what you're talking about, butt plugs, and you're like, wait a minute, are we talking yeah. about butt plugs? <laughs> yeah. He's in it. He's in it. Crazy. Well, you know, hey, go yep. check out the, uh, we, you know, we have the Stan Bush episode on the YouTube channel if you want to check out the video version. We also have an audio version that is in your, uh, your podcast listening app of choice. It's, it's a, it's a brig episode we did with him. So there's an audio version as well. So two ways to listen to our cool interview with Stan Bush. And we have lots of other awesome episodes for you. We are, um, chugging along with season three here and we're having a good time. So, uh, thank you so much, Javi for coming on and making this show super woke. And thank you to old man Wade. Javi, is there anything you want to say to your fans before we say goodbye? Yeah, actually, I want to thank you guys for having us on. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Any chance I get to rewatch some Eddie Murphy movies is, yeah. is a blessing, yeah. man. And I, I, you guys are awesome. You know, I'm kind of jealous. I'm going to tell my fans, guys, do not listen to this show ever. 
They're better than us. <laughs> oh man, you're only nice. listen if we're on. <laughs> right, listen to the one episode we're on, and then yeah, stay our that's fans. It. That's Just it. Just keep listening to the yeah. Old Man Way Show. Yeah. Just make sure you wear your butt plugs when you listen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Put your butt plugs <laughs> in your ears. Wait. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I mean, hey, you know, page drops, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll leave the little people and we get all that OnlyFans money, you know. <laughs> who needs premium who needs content? Who, yeah. who needs Patreon? Just start your own OnlyFans. Yeah. They kicked us off of Patreon. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, you, you guys can listen to us on every streaming service. It's the Old Man Wade show. Like, literally everything. We're on, we're on Audible, apparently, which I don't know how that happened, but we're on Audible. So, yeah. You're, you're a book now. We're a book, you know. It's a very <laughs> compelling book, you know. So it's a page turner, uh, and uh, you can find this on Facebook, the Old Man Wade Show Facebook page. Uh, you know, we we just post a bunch of really random stuff. Like it's it's you know it's fun. Um, if you want to like you know kind of get away from all the craziness on your timeline, you just want to see some comic book pictures or some funny memes. Um, come by the Old Man Wade Show page. Also, you can find us at oldmanwade.com um, where we post articles um, that vary in content from political discussions to comic book reviews to video game things like it's just everything uh, uh, everything that, that geeks love and uh, yeah I think that's about it we're on Twitter and stuff I'm never on Twitter let shit record um, old man oh what is it? Old Man Wade Show on Twitter as well. Um, you could also find us on CCBN. That's Comic Book Culture. Uh, that's uh, powered by BlackRabbit.com. I usually do my thing. BlackRabbit.com. Whatever. Um, <laughs> and Black Rabbit so spelled a little weird. It's You know how these millennials spell? They don't know how to spell. So it's <laughs> B-L-A-Q-U-E Rabbit.com. Um, so you could also find articles on that website as well. That's our, our guy, um, Diddy. He, um, owns that. And, uh, that's about it. I think old man will kill me if I miss anything. So it's all right. (laughs) Old man also writes, uh, for Bam Smack Pow, right? Yes. He also, yeah, he does. He writes, he writes a lot for Bam Smack Pow. He writes a lot of, um, comic comic book related articles. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're really fun articles to read. Yeah. Yeah. top tens and you know like just just his it's a lot of comic book movie stuff and just comic book stuff it's 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 fun it's a fun site for sure um we're trying to get all the internet money yeah a lot of a lot of like you know quick reads is the other thing you know about it you don't have to worry about you know you're you're gonna be there for 20 minutes um and one more thing i'm sorry i know i'm taking up a lot of time you just got a lot of stuff going on yeah. Um, keep a lookout for BIPOC Live. Um, that's a video series that I'm actually doing with a friend of mine's um, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Uh, oh, nice. We'll be talking to individuals that represent a number of groups in that uh, that label. And uh, we're trying to build community through conversation. It's open to anybody who wants to listen to it and you want to see a fresh perspective that you probably don't see all the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, BIPOC Live. Rock wow on, nice man. sounds awesome rock on that's awesome nice. thank you thank you so much for being here this is a lot of fun thank you and yeah, uh thank you, you, you and wade are welcome back anytime if you ever want to talk about anything nostalgia related um just reach out you're always welcome back 
man, don't don't tempt me with a good time. I'll go I'll go right in your house, put my feet up, never leave. I, I mean, Wade's been to my house like three times. You can yeah. you can come with Wade. Hey, he doesn't even drive. He's a pain in the ass to get over here. Like, I mean, this is before this before pandemic. Yeah. True, 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 true. Oh um, yeah, we, we're not we're not part of the same bubble, right? We gotta wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, I think uh, we've uh, talked your ear off long enough, Retroid. So, uh, that said, I think we'll just wrap up this episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you've enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, as well as being part of the Inebriart Podcast Network, Retroredoctopus, hey, that's us, is a full-fledged member of the Darkening Podcast mm. Network and can now be heard on Hellfire Radio as well. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like the Wicked Horror Show, That Strange Show, Shark Bites, The Toking Dead, The Horror Squad, Secret Underground, Hideout. hideout. See, I can't even talk. It's the end of the night. Secret. Underground, it's hideout. a secret. <laughs> <laughs> mostly ghostly with mel and maddie and shock tweetment oh no shock tweetment has mel and maddie the other mostly ghostly just by itself for more oh, information tweet. on those shows or to su- subscribe to us or them or just to see a thing uh please go to the dorkening.com there's literally over 30 shows on the network now you guys tons of fun shit to check out I have been your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve Destruction, and nobody calls me that. And it has indeed been a sad thing. Your ent- I fucked up my own ending. And it has... <laughs> I'm tired. <clears throat> Let's try it again. It's indeed a sad thing. Your adventure have ended here. Ugh.